Hello and welcome to the Salacast on Saturday the 25th of August 2018. I'm your host Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. How is Warm Breezes turquoise? And Robert Kemp. Because it's teal. <laughs> All teal. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. You have to ask B&Q Valspar. Yeah. How well, they name, how they name like, their colours. The whole point of blue is it's not a warm colour. <laughs> Therefore calling it warm. Is but, like... but it's a breeze and maybe that particular form of teal is slightly, I don't know. Breezier. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were thinking like, "Oh, it's like the summer sky as you're standing outside, and there's a warm breeze." It's like, no, blue is not warm. It's so it's the opposite. If it was cool breeze, would that work? Do you think for the teal color? Mm, maybe sea breeze. Yeah, maybe? sea breeze. Or there you go. Slightly green yeah. water. <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. Brine, briny breeze. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But, but, not quite so appealing. It's got to be a little more poetic than that, surely, for like a paint name. Like salt breeze. <laughs> salt breeze, yeah, salt breeze. <laughs> Salty breeze. No, I think salt breeze would be more like a white of some kind, a slightly bluey white. <laughs> Check out my salty breeze. So what would, you, what would you choose for a, for a sort of turquoisey teal? Is it a teal or a turquoise? I can't see it. So, do you actually see the colour? Have you got the colour? I've closed the window now. but oh, It's gone, okay. It was a fairly, oh, it was almost a duck egg-ish sort of, you know, that sort of light, almost greeny blue, more than, I almost more one. green than green than blue sort of blue. See, <laughs> so not like green. a summer sky then. No, not really. <laughs> Imagine, I'm not even sure it looks like any part of the sea that you'd sign a lot. Like, the sea seems darker than that that colour to me. Okay. Uh, well, anywhere in England, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's more like a warm breeze. <laughs> more <laughs> than the sea. <laughs> I guess. But... <laughs> it's such a weird job naming paint colours. It's more like a a sky as viewed through a baby's eyes. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. No, <laughs> what, because usual. baby's eyes are like underdeveloped and they're trying to work out what the sky looks like. Yeah, yeah I guess. It's, it's a more of a cute version of that colour. I don't know. I always remember. Do you remember all the colours in the... Oh, actually, the, I, ju- I just the... thought, sorry. I know, I know what it's like. It's a bit like like looking through the glass on my on, the, on my on my tables. Okay, oh. like that sort of that sort of refraction blue. I guess you've got um like coffee tables with glass surface, right? That you can a sort, see a sort of yeah, frosted glass top. But... Yeah. So it's a bit. Well, I said they're not. They're sort of frosted, but yeah, that sort of refraction blue. I guess. Hmm. Call it refraction. There you go. Abstract. Call it frosted glass. Frosted glass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to talk Sorry, about yeah, how weird on. the colour palette was in the Nickelodeon cartoon Rugrats. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Do you remember how crazy the colours were? And I, I, I don't know if I, don't I remember. Think Rugrats was even that unusual for like that. No, age. no. For Nineties those cartoons were all just like that. Cuspo or whatever the the company were all like quite weird looking. But I do remember. Um, and I'm not sure if this actually happened or if I'm imagining it, but I think it really happened. There was an episode where the Rugrats, these babies, are out in the back garden looking up and going, why is the sky blue? And it's clearly purple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that, that, if, you, if you have an insane colour palette for your cartoon, don't write about the colour of the sky. <laughs> Weirdly, I was talking to uh, a friend of ours uh, earlier this week about Rugrats, 
and we were just uh, sort of like, I'm just reminiscing about probably my favourite joke from the whole series, where it's um, it just shows it's like a picture of the street, right? But it starts off as like a normal view of the street, uh, uh, and then it went um, went rainy, and then it went um, went went very bright, and then it went went sort of um, autumny, uh, you know, and then it went wintry, as if to simulate the the, the seasons passing. And then um, is it, was it Drew, like the the brother or something, walks into the house and just goes crazy weather we've had this week, and it's just like ah oh. ah <laughs> uh, classic. There was, in fairness, Rugrats wasn't all that funny. It's just like, this is just one sort of slightly cleverer joke in the whole thing. There was one or two. There was that, that episode where the father is like, goes, gets like really, really tired or something. Uh, is it? <laughs> oh, wait, that was, that, I mean, that was kind of funny in himself, wasn't it? Wasn't the company he worked for like called Consolidated Lard? That's right. Consolidated Lard. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it had some good bits. It, and it was kind of like it had a ton of stuff about like Jewish culture and tradition in it because the family was Jewish. Oh, of course. The, so, parent, the, the grandparents especially were yeah. like, all TV is evil. <laughs> but it was tons of like those whole Passover episodes and everything about like Jewish tradition and culture that I wouldn't know about at all, probably uh, <laughs> as a kid without without Rugrats. Well, you might know about it as a kid because of RE. (laughs) Yeah, but they weren't that (laughs) good. Mandated religious education. I don't remember that much about... No, of course. ...from that. I don't remember learning much about Jewish tradition. No. I'm sure you did. (laughs) Tradition and and, uh, Hindu as well, mostly, I seem to remember. There's too many religions for them to teach in, like, half an hour every other week or whatever it was. And... I remember, yeah, Pillars, Pillars of Islam was one. I remember learning a lot about lotus flowers. Oh, yeah. What, Buddhist stuff? Yeah. yeah I don't remember that. I can't remember any of it, but I remember covering it. <laughs> I think it's a good the, idea, tur- probably. The, the turtles all lesson. the way down thing? <laughs> That's not real, is it? That's not actually in the, like a major religion. <laughs> kind of, but not really. Yeah, isn't, isn't, isn't it one of them where it's something like... like the, no, no, it's not... It's not the world necessarily, but our representation of the plane of existence or something is riding upon an elephant upon a thing or something like it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get confused with this class, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get your religious metaphors mixed up with this this world and then you could be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's not even that dissimilar. <laughs> I guess I mean, I, I, well, that is I, the I point. Remember, yeah, that is the point. Yeah. In fairness, I can't remember which religion that was that, that was like that or had that concept at some point of its existence. It's got to like be that. some form of Buddhism, right? I presume, or uh, maybe, I yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about the metaphysical, like that's probably Buddhism. <laughs> at least they get into that stuff and are interested in that philosophical stuff. <laughs> other religions seem to just not really talk about that too much yeah <laughs> but anyway Jewish anyway cartoons. rugrats <laughs> Was it, wasn't hey arnold that little bit jewish infused as well uh was it but not well, really guess... overtly like if you know what i mean I guess there was probably at least one character because that was set in kind of not new york right so there was like the 
in, in some more of that kind of uh, community there, right? It was, yeah, it was New York inspired, I guess. Like, yeah. It looked very New York, but I don't yeah. think it was ever explicitly said. No, no. But I think I think New York has, well, probably loads of big cities have this because it was like PS, was there? Primary school, one eighteen, wasn't it? It was like of, of about a million different state schools that were in the in the city. Oh god, yeah, and yeah, you're right. I remember that PS one eighteen, something like that. PS one eighteen, and like ridiculous American radio station names, like. Yeah, that all start with K for some reason, right? Not, not quite K Jazz, but like it should have been just K Jazz. Think about that earlier about like um, stuff in The Simpsons that I didn't understand as a kid for American stuff, like uh, that particularly the radio stations being like four letters starting with K. I still don't quite get that. There must be a tradition. No. Um, uh, and also, like I was watching the Mister Plow, Mister Plow. That's my name. <laughs> uh, but he, he's <laughs> like again, call he, when he gives the number. He says like call Klondike five two two set something like that, and it's like Klondike the hell does that mean like oh yeah i've never quite understood what those because didn't they used to like use klondike to describe like gold rush types yeah well klondike is a river in the yukon right where there was a gold rush but that what's that got that's in freaking canada isn't it or in alaska or something what's that got to do with telephone numbers i don't i still don't quite get that might have to actually look that up okay maybe that was just a word he could get (laughs) you know maybe it's that simple Right, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia because I need to know, and it says so. It says something here. <laughs> the web page says something. <laughs> I think words have appeared on the screen. I think the web might always say things. It's just most of it you don't ever want to listen to. Klondike Five reflects the old convention for telephone exchange names. So Klondike Five means five five five. Apparently, oh, okay. I don't know why. Right. KL Five. Okay, all oh, right. That that sort of makes sense because, well, in the in the vague way that a lot of like commercial American telephone numbers all seem to start with five five five. So, J, K, and L are on the five on the dial, right? Yeah. So presumably K L means five because. Well, K plus L would be yeah. five five, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. K plus L is five, so Klondike five Klondike is five five five. Yeah, simply. And five five five, um, it was deliberately, apparently, according to Wikipedia, was deliberately used for like fictional numbers yeah. in order that that's yeah. why Rob thinks all the American numbers start with 555 because he's only seen it in American TV shows where they're all that because right. that's the fake number oh is, it, so, is that yeah. really it so, so, so 555 is the shows, fake number yeah so TV shows use that because there's no risk of people like, <laughs> ringing it out actually, it for real yes. and what the, that's so, amazing yeah so special fake numbers start with 555 and KL5 means 555 and KL means Klon- is Klondike is short for KL so Klondike 5 is how a fake number can start isn't that dumb? <laughs> There's so many levels to it. Yeah. Not just that it, not, not, not just that 555 is fake number town and it's a convention that that's a, you know, a, a pretty good convention. Yeah. That, that, that they then went further down. Well, maybe the, maybe the Klondike convention is just we're not familiar with that level of it. Yeah. Maybe we're only familiar with the number version. But yeah, maybe KL and actually is more of a 
you know, being shortened to Klondike is actually fairly more common for some some reason. I, I mean, that's an Amer- got to be an American thing, right? Because they're more likely yeah. to know about the Klondike gold rush thing yeah. that you were talking about, right? Than we are, I suppose. Although we know about it, but yeah. vaguely, I, for some vaguely, reason, I've got like yeah. in my head like there might have been a character on some show called Klondike Pete. <laughs> Probably. <you know? laughs> Probably. Probably. I'm Klondike Pete. I'm going hunt for gold. That's just pretty close to my Shimon voice. <laughs> People say Shimon like that, Shimon. but that's not how it sounds at all. When Michael Ver- ja- Jackson, no, says Michael, it. it's Michael like goes, Shimon like that, isn't Shimon. it? Shimon. Yeah. But people say Shimon. <laughs> it's like there's, there's nothing like Shimon, and he I'm like sure pronounces I'm the sure last letter. Shimon of the estate down the road, you know, <laughs> just like yeah, oh, Shimon. Right, Shimon. Yeah. Shimon. 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 And she talks like that constantly. That's where it comes from. It's just like poor, poor, poor Shimon down the street with a speech impediment. You know, she gets a little stick. Shimon, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Yo, how's it going? I'm Shimon. Okay. Our poor listeners, this is in their ears. Shimon, <laughs> Shimon. Normalize those levels. Yeah, they have to. Anyway, well, what's going on, guys? You guys been up to anything exciting? No. No. Not a lot, really. Like, well, I don't know. How long have I been back at work? We've been back at work a week. Like, like so... Were you off? We had, yeah, we had a, had a week off. And uh, Noam took me to see some history. History. Sweet. Some history. We saw... Whereabouts? Uh, uh, Anglesey Abbey near Cambridge. Oh. It's a big old house. Big old garden. Got some stuff in it. <laughs> they had scones. That's the important part. As always. I mean, it's, what is it? No, it's National, National Trust. Trust, isn't it? Yeah, so they've got to have scones. Yeah. It's a requirement. Um, pretty good scones, in fairness. Uh, and also we went to Orford Castle to see like a... No, oh, um, I remember Orford like Castle. A, a stone tube in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And that's... Uh, yeah, it's it's a stone tube in the middle of nowhere. Actually, I'll, I'll give them their it's due. Not a tube. It's like isn't the castle, it, isn't it like a, isn't it rectangular? No, it's a big cylinder. It's oh. like a um, what do they call it? Mott and Bailey sort of configuration, but the mott part is actually it's like just a, just a round, a sort of cylindrical tower. Um, oh, I must be thinking of a different one. Oh well, never mind. Uh, but yeah, okay. it's like that, that that castle wouldn't be all that interesting if it wasn't for a surprisingly good audio tour, actually. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing really in there. There was just like you know, just rooms and stuff you could look at. And like, yeah, stone oh, this, rooms. This is, a, this is clearly a urination hole. <laughs> but it's like I'm <laughs> not sure I would have guessed that had the audio tour not not said. It's like, oh yes, this guy was important because he had his own piss hole out the side of the building. <laughs> Very important. Almost. I don't know. It was a little over dramatized because they had they they tried to do that thing. Um, where they're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna now talk to someone from that era, <laughs> and it was like the butler or something of the oh, castle. No. Oh, the chaplain. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Philip, Philip the chaplain, and he was and he was very overplayed. Like I'm going to talk like this the entire time. Oh, what fun we had as kings killed people, <laughs> or as, as the castle changed hands many times over its conflicted history. And I'm like, this is for the kids, right? This has got to be for the kids. And then, so, but then it's like, I don't know if it's worse. Like when, the, when you, you've got this voice talk, talking 
enthusiastically and not really getting to many facts. He just likes to embellish the moment. And then the deadpan narrator lady is, is like sort of agreeing with him. And it's like, oh, what wonderful feasts we have. Yes, I'm sure you did. <laughs> it's just like, just like, you don't need, no, like keep these two things separately. Like don't have a conversation. That doesn't work. You're wasting, t- <laughs> you're wasting, you're wasting my time here by like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. You shouldn't be encouraging this man and his delusions. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, audio tour, not too bad. Mm, like, yeah, I, usually I good. Wish, yeah, a bit of me kind of wishes there was some sort of way I could have. Well, if I had the forethought to bring some headphones or whatever, and like put it, put just put it on my phone and listen to it like that way as I was walking around, rather than having one of those speakers on sticks. Right. Yeah. I mean, because those things get a little bit tedious after a while. Because all you need is an app, right? I mean, that that would make sense if English Heritage had an app, and then you just paid microtransaction or whatever for the, yeah, for to, the audio to, tour or something. Or there was a, like an unlock code, a temporary unlock code based on your ticket or something. And yeah, it, and I it suppose that'd be uh, a little smart because then their ticket system would actually have to be like onlineified. Although I guess it has to be for card payments anyway. But don't know. Oh, you well, you know more about ticketing systems than <laughs> anyone. Well, yeah, but most like if you've got a card terminal, right? It has to be it has to be online or connected in some way, really. I guess so, yeah. So, yeah, if you if you can run card payments, you can run. Yeah, and run then the maybe they could use like Bluetooth beacons or something to get like so your phone could know which room oh, it was. Yeah, in. so I was like, yeah, there's a there's a oh, I forget what it's called now, but there, there is a technology about um, RRT. I think they call it like something to do with like. If you're if you've got a building and you're running multiple Wi-Fi stations in it, you can use the the round trip time between the Wi-Fi stations to figure out where someone is. Hmm. Um, so you can use that for inside building location tracking. You know, so like when you reach a certain aisle in the supermarket, it goes biscuits <laughs> <laughs> on your phone or something like that. Um, uh, which is it's an idea I used to talk about. Like with Barlow a lot back in the like at one point because he was like oh yeah it would be great if we could do like GPS based marketing in stores and things like that and it's like yeah GPS isn't going to work mate it doesn't work indoors all that well and its fidelity is not that great but this stuff might actually solve the problem and it's like yeah just put that in your national trust and smoke it and you'll be <laughs> and you'll be fine yeah oh this was English heritage yeah don't get the two confused <laughs> yeah. <I> just <laughs> Always like their flag, English heritage. Oh, what the sort of uh, red, red like more complicated hash? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> complex, the complicated hash. Yeah, hashtag English heritage. Do you see any? Because uh, um, oh, I don't know if there is anything at Orford Castle, but Orford, like that sandbank out there or whatever, is that that there was like radar stuff, early radar stuff, wasn't there? In the it's the place you're yeah, not to go. So you, can, you can see it from the tower. Like you can see a couple of the the pillbox like bunkers i suppose where they where that stuff was was trialed are you still not allowed to go out there so it's a nature reserve uh, so you right. can only go out there in very specific circumstances yeah we didn't right. we didn't try in fairness we didn't go that way fair yeah but we did go to probably the most artisanal up its own ass bakery i think i've ever been in in my what, life in that village oh god yeah the pump street bakery i well, mean i'll get i'll be fair to them the bread we came away with, really very nice bread. They, they did some good stuff. The sausage roll, yeah, it's pretty pretty good sausage roll. The price, <laughs> of, of what, 
like uh, for for what you ordered as a as a lunch ridiculous so i basically what, what are we talking wait, wait that sausage roll on its own was eight pounds what are you, are you kidding me <laughs> did you realize when you were ordering it or, or was it like a nasty I surprise well, I, well, the thing, uh, some of it, I, I didn't realize the, the sausage roll was that much because I don't think it was listed. I think it was just one of their, their bakery things. But like the rest of it was just like, yeah, it, it seemed like a lot. But you thought you'd then get a plate of stuff, like you know, when you go to like a, um, a regular quite nice cafe, I suppose, and you order a sandwich. It normally comes with you know a quite quite tall sandwich, maybe with some nice bread and some 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 decent filling. Get get a bit of salad on the side, maybe some crisps, you know, something. You get you get sort of a little platter. Now you get bugger all with this thing, right? So it was basically a piece of toast, mm. admittedly on their very nice bread, but a piece of toast, right? And and I was I, I was going for something called it was like a tomato and mozzarella tartine. <laughs> You were basically trying to eat a pizza, is what you were saying. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> their options were a little bit, were a little bit too healthy for me. So it was like, what's which, which one has? How close could I get to a pizza? Yeah, <laughs> excellent. So and so, and so I, it had some fruit on it as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tomatoes are fruit, so you know. Yeah, some other fruit. Good. I think it might have been pomegranate or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was, and in first it was a nice big ball of mozzarella, and it was just on, but it was just on this. It was just basically a ball of mozzarella and some chopped tomatoes on a piece of toast. And it was like eight quid or something ridiculous. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. And there was nothing nothing with it. Mm. The coffee was okay. And not badly priced. <laughs> but yeah, artisanal bakeries. What a load of crap. Yeah, they can, they can be. You just have to find one that does like insane like cronuts or some bullshit like that. Then mm. it's maybe worth it. <laughs> As I say, I think the, like the loaf of the loaf of sourdough we came away with was was actually you know not that not that badly priced. Like you know, I was, we were expecting to pay a bit of a premium for like a freshly baked thing, and it was like two pounds something I think for the sourdough. I think Noam said like a proper loaf in a paper bag, you know, rustic style, and, <laughs> and it was really nice bread. And it's like okay, that's fine, but it's just this restaurant part of it, which is clearly where the money is. <laughs> Oh man, talking about sausage rolls just reminded me of how bloody awesome the sausage rolls were at university. <laughs> the university shop in the middle of the campus just had the label warm as well, so you could have them just on the way to lectures in the morning. It was like, holy shit, these are the best. Oh, mate, you make it like, there are, there are two things from my, like, I suppose, educational past. <laughs> Food-wise, that I am incredibly fought. Well, three if we count chip for chip. Um, <laughs> chip for chip, the best deal ever. <laughs> yeah, I give, I give Dan a crisp or two, and he gives me a chip. It's like that's how it works. Chip for chip, amazing deal. Yeah, worked out well for everyone. A bit of variety to our meals. Yeah, um, everyone benefits. But also, was it the bacon? <laughs> the, the bacon baguette they used to do at the Ipswich School breakfast canteen. Like, oh. That was so good. There's something about the, 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 the gorgeous bit of baguette, lovely bits of bacon, loads of butter in there. <laughs> Excellent. Like I miss that. No one, no one's done a bacon, a bacon baguette thing since. It's it's it's, it's grand. Um, and also the Sioux Cafe, man, in Southampton. Love that place. Like, Sioux. Like, yeah, used to do a lovely. Um, I can't remember. Actually, this is the bit I can't actually remember whether it was a chicken burger or a regular burger. I used to have. no, it was a regular burger. It's definitely a regular burger, and it, like it wasn't the best meat in the world, but like it was the combination of that bit of mayonnaise, its ultra flowery bun, and the curly fries. Oh man, that's a meal of kings. 
Like, <laughs> it's Susan just like cafe. Yeah, it's just like it's a certain level of skank that is probably the most satisfying level of skank. You know, <laughs> it's skank like, level. Yeah, it's like you know it's bad, but it's also dirt cheap and amazingly satisfying for some and, reason. And not that bad, I guess. No, no. I mean, it tastes great, but it's like you know, you know the quality. I suppose if you're being like artisanal about it, <laughs> you know what's been put in front of you has come out of a freezer bag. It's but it tasted great. And it was exactly what you needed in the middle of a day. <laughs> and now that I'm talking about sausage rolls and freezer bags has reminded me of our Christmas antics every year. Oh, wait, with the, <laughs> just because all of the... Because of all the cheap-ass... All the combo food. like, Christmas food. foods that just come in giant bags. Yeah. We, we just buy so many fucking sausage rolls. <laughs> Yeah, what are we eating tonight? Where we've got like fifty sausage rolls in a bag. Should, yeah. we, have, should we have those? <laughs> yes, yes, we shall. And those were still pretty good for those oh, yeah. sausage rolls. Well, not bad. In fact, none of that stuff was too bad. Like I don't know, I thought some of it was quite variable. Like I used to get the, the like seasoned chicken goujons were sometimes really bloody nice. Mm-hmm. Like. They'd get they'd go all crispy and be like seasoned and just the right way. And sometimes they'd go like weirdly, like overly juicy. <laughs> like the the crumb would be soggy for some reason when they came out of the oven. I'm not quite sure what caused that. So they were they were they were a risk. They could be amazing, but they could be a complete letdown. So just in case, prepare to put them in a sandwich so you don't really notice it that much. <laughs> I was um, goaded on this week by to to put on like to potentially have a leftover bit of pizza like after after saying everything's better when you put in two slices of bread. It's like well, put this leftover bit of pizza in two slices of pizza sandwich. (laughs) Pizza sandwich. I didn't. I haven't quite brought myself to that, but I'm tempted. Well, what you should do is just. This sounds way more gross, but I think it would be more edible. Is just <laughs> scrape the toppings off and put those in the sandwich. I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of the manky old bread and have nice fresh bread. I'm sure that would be absolutely fine. But you know, once you have a one day old pizza, like from Domino's, especially, it's not that bad. <laughs> also, I ovened a cheese on toast. <laughs> okay. Like, sure. like, a, like a, a a cheese and ham toasty. Because it was next to my pizza slice. <laughs> so I was eating that. So you were just making two different kinds of pizza. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> right, it's all about pizza. Non stop pizza. <laughs> Wait, you know it. I was all right, just wanted to see if, the, if, if it would work, basically. So I made like a cheese and ham sandwich and was like, what would make this more interesting? If it was a toasty, but couldn't be bothered to get like the sandwich toaster out or anything like that. So I was like, I'll just bug it. You have one of those. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but they're always up on a shelf, aren't they? They're never actually plugged in or any anywhere. Well, mine's down on a shelf. (laughs) Yeah, but that doesn't matter, does it? Because you just pull it out and plug it in, and and you don't even have to. You don't even have to. (laughs) Unless that's that's a controversial viewpoint. Unless you get severe cheese filling, (laughs) you can get away with not. Moderate cheese spillage is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Noam has given us some um, some dirty looks here about not cleaning a sandwich toaster. And even if it, I think you can at least get away with wiping it down, like you don't even have to do that much if it doesn't have major cheese filling. <laughs> Just let it cool off, wipe it down, and that's like, that's that. Can that be my military name? I mean, you remember what we did with the foreman? <laughs> what did we do with the foreman? I mean, it, there's one sound on my TV still. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> the PlayStation. 
No, the forward grill. The actual foreman. Oh, okay, yeah, that thing. <laughs> that that could definitely go without washing. It's like, I, I, yeah, because things grease. actually sort of dripped off fairly well. Yeah, because of the angle and because it's grease, it just heats back up again, and, and you can cook it off. It's and you good. could, you know, uh, just towel off. Yep, paper towel it. Or you know, cook chicken on it, where there's practically no grease anyway. Yes, those kind of devices. I was thinking again, like we should get like a griddle for the barbecue, for like not necessarily for burgers, but for like What's doing like big exactly again? bits of meat. It's like basically more metal. You just stick on a hot sauce. <laughs> it just just makes it more stable to put things on. Metal. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> metal. So yeah, we're mainly for like I guess for doing like steaks or like maybe some like a stable platform for halloumi. Yeah, that would probably help. Yeah. For your cheese disasters. Yeah, they keep falling between the grills. Mm, yeah. I think there's a bit of cheese probably still in there. Probably. <laughs> well, we've segued into Kitchen Pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I think we should maybe count? move on before we continue talking about pizza and it makes us even more hungry than we already are. <laughs> okay, fair. Like, well, this is a podcast about video games and we have news about video games. For a change. For a change. <laughs> stuff happened. Kind of. Rob, do the honours. I mean, I mean, yeah, sort of stuff happened. It wasn't exactly like mind-melting reveal week. It's not a proper E3, but Gamescom happened. Which is technically the biggest convention in the world now, I think. Really? Like, it's like, like the amount of floor space needed is way bigger than E3 because it's a public-facing one. And where is it? It's in Europe, right? It's Germany. Germany. Deutschland. I mean, like, the Prime Minister of the region in which it's held, like, did a speech at the opening ceremony thing. Saying, thank you, you for know, coming and spending all your money in our town. Well, pretty much, yeah. It's kind of a kind of a big deal for them, because I think, I think Germany actually pumps a lot of money into these events, like the government and stuff, to, to, to run them and stuff. So it's like, a, 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 yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a thing. But anyway, yeah, what that usually means is that because it's such a large event, We'll get a trickle of information about the stuff they already announced at E3. Because <laughs> it's such a live event, we get shit. Because <laughs> apparently no one actually cares. The thing is, is everyone like everyone waits for months and months and months until the first big event, which is obviously E3, and it's like, okay, now we can talk about everything. And now this is like a month and a bit later. It's like, what have they got left? Yeah, but you'd think like be, being this much closer to like the holiday season, this would be a better time to advertise your shit, so you, people don't forget about it like you do with E3. Maybe. <laughs> and there are some announcements in Gamescom that are sometimes tailored to the European audience. Like they were talking about um, the Halo arcade game, which is n- not news anymore in America because it's about. Um, whereas here they were like, yeah, but there was there was no plans for it to come over here. But it's like, oh, but now there is. <laughs> but there's not a lot of that because <laughs> you know games are global for the most part. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, there's a drip feed of new information. Where shall we start? Let's. Oh, that's for some reason my notes have gone to E3. That's that's not right. Here we go. Here we go. Right. Let's do the possibly the least interesting bit of news that we wanted to talk about compared to, for us, anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, reverse order. Let's talk about the settlers. It's a oh, theoretically yes. interesting bit of news, except for they've made like 
like four or five games that have been bad <laughs> since free. Yeah, so how many of them have we actually played so, now? Oh, is it the it, same? So it is still Blue Byte. Like okay. amazingly, it is still Blue Byte, the original studio, the original German studio. German they're just studio. owned by they're just owned by Ubisoft now. So they're Ubisoft Blue Byte. Okay, but um, but it's, it's the same guys, the same Dr. Drago Madcap Chase developers. When are they making Dr. Drago's Madcap Chase too? That's what yeah, they should absolutely <laughs> should, man. Mario Party competitor. Yeah, because like if they had, if they made Dr. Drago as like an async mobile game. <laughs> Suddenly that thing might find a platform just because how long those games take, right? Like, just make them so they can take even longer. <laughs> Maybe. Drago so the Settlers, what's their so plan? <laughs> Wait, okay, so two, two bits of news regarding the Settlers. One, they're releasing the History Edition, which is the previous seven games, or however many it is. <laughs> I assume yeah. it's seven. Seven was the last one I heard. Yeah, sort of bundled up and made to work on modern computers, Blah 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 blah. Um, so there's yeah, the sort of. I think it's a. Uh, I think there might be a milestone, like thirty, no, like thirty years maybe of the set. Sure, that's something, probably something about like right. That. Yeah. Um, so they're bundling that up in a package, and they were like, "Oh yeah, but we've got this other thing we're working on called the Settlers. That's a brand brand new one, um, powered by Snowdrop. <laughs> that's the same that Ubisoft graphics engine they're now doing an EA on, and being like, oh, all of our games have to be Snowdrop powered." Um. I, I, I mean, it looked a lot like the Settlers. I mean, they already did that bad remake of two, so <laughs> if they're now yeah. doing basically Wait, a bad they, remake of one, they did a remake of two. Yeah, yeah, there is. They one. tried to do a like basically like modern graphics version of two, but it actually they, they actually fucked up the game in, in the process. Huh? I don't remember that. It's like the I mean, not, anniversary, I mean, tenth anniversary edition, yeah, or something, isn't it? It was one of the anniversaries. Huh? That was after seven. Because two, two is the only one I've played, naturally, <laughs> and put any any real time. It's a good into. one, yeah, yeah. I think I played it before I understood how games like that work yeah. as well. So also. I spent a very long time just on the same level, not yep. realizing where it goes and being quite content. Exactly, <laughs> just being like, "This is going pretty good." Like, I've just got, I've just got a dude building roads everywhere. I think every time <laughs> I played it, like every subsequent time I've played Settlers 2, it's like, I've actually, I've like, got further and further in the campaign and been like, wow, I might actually be able to finish this one day. <laughs> like, I might actually have learned how to play this game sufficiently to beat the game <laughs> after 20-something years. <laughs> yeah, because there, there was definitely a pretty massive gap between me first playing it, between me then playing it, like, several years later playing it again and actually understanding what the hell was going on. Yeah. And not being very good at it, in fairness. Like, I didn't necessarily have the patience required, because Settlers <laughs> no. is an incredibly slow-paced game. <laughs> I think I could probably say the same thing about Settlers Freak, where it's like, like I didn't necessarily... I got... I think I... Uh, comparatively, I understood that one better, because it was a more recent game, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it, that one had the problem of, like, there was a really ridiculous difficulty spike halfway through, I think I remember. Mm. So I don't think I ever finished that either. <laughs> it's kind of classic of all sort of strategy games, though, right? There always comes a point where it's just like, I can't figure out what puzzle they're throwing at me. Yeah, but I don't think it was a puzzle. I think it was just, like, unnecessarily tricky. Like, it stacked everything too far in the enemy's favour, mm. and you had to get, do things very carefully. Rather than just moderately carefully. Just your normal sort of like... <laughs> normal, normal amounts of care. Yeah. So is that where you stopped? Did you play any of the... I 
played like the demo of seven and then i was like this isn't settlers and i just that was it <laughs> so what's your prediction for this one then that it's not going to be settlers no, well we'll see i mean you know, you know it has been a while hasn't it since settlers seven <laughs> yeah maybe you know you'll know if you see flags and people walking between them carrying it <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's a settlers game yep I- I'll tell you one thing. It making like shiny got... gold coins <laughs> yeah. so that you can actually have a military. I'll tell you one thing. I think I think like it didn't look terrible from the little bit they showed. It didn't really look much like gameplay in fairness. Like, like it's hard to tell how the gameplay actually functions from a trailer for a game like this, I guess. But mm. it did look like the visuals had lost some character. Well, like, like... The Settlers had, has had like five different characters. Well, like, when they so, got to yeah. seven, it basically turned into like... It started looking more like Age of Empires style, just like right. generic medieval. Here's a brown guy in cloth. And also, I, if I, I, I think mean, a I, guy in brown cloth. From so what I, I remember, came out very badly. And this might be like completely me misremembering it entirely and confusing it with different games. But I think Settler Seven, with that aesthetic, also was like the re- main reason why I didn't think it was good for a Settler game was like it started going in like the Age of Empires building style, like. The whole thing about Settlers is it's basically a hex grid, and that's why mm. that was the why that game worked in Settlers Two, and then in Three it was like, but it was an obscured hex grid, right? Like you didn't really well, no, it I was mean, still a hex grid. It, it didn't show you the grid well, necessarily. No, like, you, but you, had to, was you had to realize it was a which, hex which, grid. Yeah, which is why it looked quite naturalistic when you were playing it because it's just like, oh wait, yeah, this is curving in ways that most games don't. And that, but the that's roads why it, clearly went at that angle, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. of a hex. <laughs> and that's why as soon as they went to Settlers 3 and it was no longer grid-based, it was like, this is kind of... I mean, Settlers 3 was close enough to 2 in terms of, like, the mechanical, like, way you built stuff and the way you dudes carry shit around and stuff. It was like, okay, okay this is still close enough, but you've lost the grid. And I think the grid was what made that game work. <laughs> it was all about carefully positioning things and building mm. road networks to maximise your transport capacity. Did you levy the same complaint against SimCity? Like, when mm. they lost the grid? Kinda. That wasn't so, the only problem with that game, SimCity was, no, was more a matter of, like, they didn't they did give you enough options to control the things that you wanted to do related to the grid. Mm. Like, when you wanted to build two parallel roads that were exactly far enough apart to fit in a full width of building zone or whatever. They didn't really give you much guidelines for that. Unlike City Skylines or whatever, where, you know... I mean, SimCity tried to do it, it just didn't do it well. It did it awkwardly. Hmm. And that's the important thing, when you want to maximise maximum space. Just like the Settlers. Even in Settlers 2, you, when you realised the, like, the mechanism of the hex grid and how... Like, when you're building a farm and it's like, okay, we, you need to leave a certain amount of space for the fields. You need to make sure there's flat lands. You need to, need, make, like, build your roads around it and build the entrance road clear out at one angle and mm, all that kind it, of stuff. Yeah. You had to think about if you were doing that game more complicatedly. <laughs> if you complicatedly. Were, if you're doing it not as the child playing it for the first time and fucking everything up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Best thing of all those games, like you, you like, <laughs> until you figure out the systems and how things lay out. Like the first time you come across the farm building, for instance, it would have been like, oh, I'm just gonna put this here. Yeah, you just cram it in there because you think it's just a building, but no, you need to leave space in the far- fields. So, any level of hype? Not really. Okay, the set. You, know, you need to see it. Yeah, it's interesting that it exists. I'll give it that. Not that, but, interesting. but you know. 
Well, I sort of thought I sort of thought settlers was dead, right? And like because it has been yeah. after they made several of them. Yeah, but it's like, and I mean that is a an interesting question in itself. How did they make seven of them? Like, so, like it's not exactly been a gangbusters title since maybe four, <laughs> or like even a like noteworthy title since then. Mm. Yeah, but back where we did that, you could get away with self-publishing small games. Except they were kind of marquee titles, like Settlers Three. I seem to remember was a fairly big deal, like before it came <laughs> As out. Anyway. Of Settlers Three, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the Settlers. Uh, but okay, what's what's next in my uh, least interesting to interesting list? Let's hope we can skip, skip some. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, let's do Ace Combat, just because I think we've only ju- Dan's only just in the trailer, so we can get some hot takes. Um, I mean. My hot take is it looks like Ace Combat. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. I mean, they all have stupid. I know, I know, it has a like crazy anime storyline, but I'm pretty sure they all did. In fact, the yeah. one that had a less insane one then obviously wasn't as good. For was that six? Yeah, which was the one where do you six remember is the one where the barrel rolling Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one where it went slightly more realistic and i quite they like i kind of appreciated the variety of having the helicopter thing and stuff but like mm. it's not it's not really ace combat like that you expect so they fully no. embraced that again we haven't and seen it, a helicopter and you know it's got what i was looking for which is it's got to have the stupid boss kind of you know guy giant yeah. giant flying wing of doom oh yeah but the, yeah it seems like they're sp- spinning several yarns this time it's like you've got your yeah red baron mysterious pilot guy oh um, actually and and you've got yeah the the arsenal bird or whatever they call it <laughs> yeah arsenal bird there's always an arsenal bird that's gonna rain down a million missiles or something it has a giant it, shield yeah generator. it looked like it looked like drones this time was the thing yeah probably of course it is yeah but of course, you can still fly an F-14 Tomcat, which has been retired from the US Navy for like 10 years at this point. Yeah, but it looks badass. But it looks badass. <laughs> it's the way cooler looking than the like modern, like stealthy looking ones. I mean, there's, there's a, there's definitely a look to this one in particular. Like they seem to be embracing like the sort of idyllic blue skies. So, <laughs> what do you mean? The it's always like that. I know, but yeah, it's like it it's just. I don't know. I remember Ace Combat Six being very brown. Like yeah, that, like was, the, that was the weird one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last Ace Combat trailer I saw definitely had like you know the classic like dramatic behind the back white puffy clouds in the blue sky camera shot type thing that they always do. <laughs> hang on, hang I on, mean, hang on. So this is seven, is it? Yeah. So I think that helicopter one must have been like five or something because I think they've released at least one in this style since that one. Really, I thought. Or well, maybe it was, was on the PS yeah. Vita or some shit. Oh, you really? Why well, they did a spin-off one or something? Well, I think there's a bunch of PSP, PS Vita, Ace Combats. Um, oh. Yeah, alongside the main ones. Anyway, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think six was like 360 era, right? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I think there's been one since then. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. not a numbered one. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Ace Combat Six: uh, Fires of Liberation, right, was the last one, uh, and that was that was three hundred and sixty. Oh, really? It's been that long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough then. But uh, that's not to say there hasn't been like spin-offs in the middle. But right. 
Okay. Know, maybe, oh, maybe we're getting confused with Assault Horizon, which was the one, but which was the one before it. Yeah, that's what I think. I think we skipped one. We've missed one. Oh, we've, I guess would have been five. Yeah. Uh, I think there's been. Yeah, one I can't. It. I can't tell from just like scan reading Wikipedia. But yeah, yeah you're probably you're probably right. It looks more brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything was brown in three early three sixty era. <laughs> Because the next, next gen next was brown. <laughs> yeah. so it was the seventies of gaming again. <laughs> yeah, that was so. It's such a weird time. Uh, cool. Yeah, Ace Combat. Uh, boy, what else we got? Uh, let's do Demon X Machina. Just because. Just because. Uh, have, you, have you either of you seen any of this or? Have you seen like this? Have you heard about this? 20 seconds of <laughs> gameplay at some point. <laughs> yeah, because they did that E3 trailer that it was just basically metal. Yeah. Uh, and this was more of the same. It's like, but it's metal in a very specific way. It kind of reminds me of like, okay, it's somewhere in between modern baby metal, shall we say, and uh, like the Hellbender soundtrack, or I don't know, like something like, or like that sort of, that sort of, uh, riff sampled music from like that, like the early 3D game era. I don't know. Because it likes to just sort of be playing like a, 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 a repetitive guitar riff over and over again and then stop and go, you know? <laughs> I'm digging it. I'm, like, I'm digging that bit. But the mech, the actual like look and feel of the game is, is starting to look more intriguing. I thought the foot, the E3 trailer was a bit weird looking. But this showed some insight into like, okay, so all the mechs don't walk; they sort of roller skate around, like jet yeah, skates. Classics. Yeah, and and when and they can fly a bit, but it's like it's sort of cell shaded, but sort of muted color palette cell shading, and it's uh, it looks good. Switch exclusive. It's got mm. style. Okay. It's like this is starting to like I don't know. It's one of those games that reminds me of like when the Wii started trying to be edgy. In a way that Mad no one else feels. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're try- like, it feels like some devs are trying things and Nintendo are, are, are letting them. Letting them, yeah. Yeah, or, or encouraging them. I don't think joint mech combat is that edgy. <laughs> no, but there's something about the style of it. Like, you know, the, the way it's pre- they're presenting it right now that's really interesting. Whether or not that will actually translate into the game at the end of it is still immensely questionable. Um but yeah, all I've already said is that it's going to be out in 2019, so we've got a while to wait. Um, uh, Shenmue 3, also we've got a while to wait. That is... <laughs> Less than infinite time, though. It is, <laughs> as of today, 367 days away. Uh, so August 27th, 2019 will be when it comes out. They've set a date. Shenmue 3 is real. But a date that's so far away that that's not going to be the date. That I'll probably move it, yeah. <laughs> uh, they did put out a trailer for it and, you know, casually threw in a shot of Ryu meeting main antagonist Lan D. How are the uh, faces looking? It's a bit early for that, days? isn't it? Yeah. In the, they actually what, done like, seven-game series? Like it, was, it was more than that. It was like 11 chapters <laughs> or something that was originally planned, something like that. Um I think they've changed that somewhat, I think. Um, 
but yeah, it's like you can't casually drop that in a in a trailer a year away. Surely, like where they just they don't even look that bothered to be in front of each other. They're just sort of like Rio meets like one of Rio's face never really looked that. He's not bothered by anything ever. Yeah, but yeah, just, but does it move? <laughs> I mean, there was facial animation this time. Wow. Maybe maybe that what that bit they showed was like maybe he's undercover or something. Mm. Maybe he's like I. Oh, the boss guy is right in front of me, but I can't do anything because this isn't the time. Yeah, maybe he doesn't know, but yeah, I'm sure Landy would know. I don't know, would he? Because I think they, the murder of Ryu's dad must have like happened not while Ryu was like a kid, right? It happened when he was very close to his current yeah, age. Yeah, but he also wasn't there. True. <laughs> as far as we know. I can't remember. A bit of me does kind of actually want to play those first two games again, but I know that'll be like another epic slog. Yeah. It and it's... You know, now that those remasters are now out on Steam. Semi-remasters. Like, they work on PC now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's real for now. And I'm not sure, it, like, we haven't really seen how the game actually plays. And, like, from its look alone, I don't think it's all that. It's clearly being made on a bit of a budget, I guess. And But it, it looks like the old games with a slightly newer coat of paint. But the like old games not, looked amazing for the time. That's the problem. For the time, they were very impressive. Yeah. Whereas this now looks <laughs> too much like that. There's a sort of um, retro thing. This. Yeah. Sort of like the, the 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 way things move still looks that little bit stilted. What's the word I'm looking for? Stinted, stilted. Like, uh, yeah, stilted is right. Um. Yeah. Just that little bit stiff. That little bit not quite right. And it's. I was thinking this about this the other day in. I can't remember what else I was thinking about watching or that had a similar animation problem. Is that is that thing where the basically it's like the animation frame rate is constant, like motions are just smooth, constant motion. And yeah, it's like, yeah, that's not actually. I mean, it's a smooth animation, but it's like too smooth. You I know, haven't I accounted know, for realism. I know what you mean. Like it's like the, the keyframes are quite a distance apart, and it just moves like in a constant speed between those two points yeah rather, than, was, bit, rather than it being eased and things I like that i can't remember what that was it was some, i was watching something that was like pixel art where it had where it was like it was like, trying to do some like nice you know almost in the sort of old school prince of persia rotoscope style pixel art motion except it was clearly not rotoscope it was hand animated which gave it that like too many smooth frames, or it's like that's not how real motion actually happens. Mm. Real motion can be way more abrupt than just like really smooth. Yeah, I know. Mean, it's like some games that use like a, uh, a rendering engine, a bit like uh, like how Flash animates. Do you know what I mean? Like Lip Scribble Knots might fall into this category a little bit, although that's intentionally. Like yeah. That. But you know, there are some games that have that sort of. Yeah, like everything is a just a moving part in some way that they're then. Well, they about moving parts. Is it? It's just like you. I mean, that's a weird example because it's, it's pixel art, right? And someone's made it like that. It's but... the key. It's the keyframing problem. The way I imagine it is like you have your start frame and your end frame, and then in order to smooth the animation, you just keep adding frames in between. Mm. But you've just added a bunch of frames, and then you just run through them at a constant rate. And it's yeah. like that's not really how motion actually works. Rather than perhaps making a big jump at the start and smaller jumps at the end yeah. as, it, as it, something slows down or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. 
you just keep dividing the time period and adding another frame in. It'll be well smooth, but it won't be realistic. Yeah, I think like brawler animations in like 99 Vidas and Scott Pilgrim are, you know, good examples of that. Like there's a couple of frames of wind up where the hand like doesn't move all that much. Yeah. And then you get like one frame where it's gone all the way out. Yeah. And then you get effects going around the hand as as, as the follow up frame. So it's like, oh yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a swing going on there, which is nice. And it feels better as well. Like, because you get that oh, whack kind of sensation. Well, and, you know, you need it to be nearly instant to your butt press, ideally. Nearly instant, yeah. You can, you can, you can have a couple of frames of finesse in most, in most games. And obviously in fighting games, that wind up is super critical because that's technical as well as visual. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's a bit of, there's a bit of that. <laughs> there's a bit of that old school animation going on. I watched a video actually um, this week about Sonic Adventure 2's cutscenes and like and how how not much, as bad as Sonic Adventure 1's cutscenes. There's that, <laughs> but it was it was more about how much worse they got in the ports, like all the all the rendering errors right. introduced and all the lighting issues and uh, yeah, there's there's way more than I thought there was. Like what, like the GameCube lot. port or yeah, the GameCube port is actually kind of terrible <laughs> when oh, you look at it graphically. Played, it? That's the one Zach played. I, I've got the Dreamcast original, but. Uh, and there are there's clearly some things between the hardware that they couldn't overcome in the time period they had like the game is generally better in terms of stability and the stuff they added like in terms of content battle is better but the actual engine running on GameCube is significantly poorer in some in some meaningful ways uh, although it does run at speed and they do throw in extra objects it's like polygons don't seem to be the problem but lighting, uh, but lighting and texturing and shadows, they seem to have a real trouble <laughs> on GameCube for some reason, which is weird. Anyway, well, it was worth a watch. It was quite fun. Also, just to remind me, like of how kind of generally bad those cutscenes are. Anyway, shouldn't have watched that ahead of us playing it. Though. I know, Damn I know. it! <laughs> you ruined our reactions from the future video series <laughs> of playing Sonic Adventure Two. Oh no, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm still going to react pretty hard. <laughs> is that your next in line? <laughs> no, it's not next in line. No. Probably. Who knows? Plenty of Sonic games to tear apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's go Soul Calibur 6. So, this was a uh, tale of two trailers for me. <laughs> there was... Um, the So, the, the, the one I saw first was... I guess you call it a story trailer-ish. Like, but... It, it was a little bit confusingly shot, so I've still got some questions about it. It looked like um, like they were going. Uh, the, the, the upside is it looked like they were bringing back a mode similar to Soul Calibur 2's Edge Master, like story-ish thing, and it's like which was clearly the best part of Soul Calibur 2. And I haven't seen any of them since then do anything that was that good. Um, so it's like, oh, they someone they they finally got it. They finally put this in. Um, they made it look like the character creator might be actually part of the story, so you're playing as your character rather than as one of the main characters, which could be interesting. Uh, although, again, that could just be the weird way that that trailer was cut, um, talking to me there. But good news, that character creator is back, and it still looks madness. Um, after Tekken 7s was mildly disappointing. Um, and also, it looks like again the sort of thing I think. I think I may have mentioned this before, but there was um I, I had the problem with Soul Calibur Six in all of that I've seen so far, in that it kind of looks like Soul Calibur, and I mean that in the sense that it doesn't look like they've taken the lessons learned from Tekken Seven and put them in the game. 
like some of the cooler stuff, like some of the effects, some of the slowdown, some of the nice mm. camera patterns, and some of the just general extra bombast they added to Seven looked like it was lacking. Um, and so I, my fears of that have been somewhat put to rest because they do have the slowdown stuff. In fact, they look really, they almost look more dramatic now, but not like in, even in amongst all the weird flash, flashy like trails and sparks and stuff that usually happen in a Soul Calibur game. Um, right. So they have done some of that stuff, and it does look it looks cool to see in action. Um, oh, that's good. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of back in on that front on the on the core gameplay. I'm back in by the set by the looks of it. Um, however, they're already starting to be annoying, and that the game's not even out yet, and they're talking about DLC characters, of which the first one is bloody Tira, who's like my favorite from the last two Soul Calibur games. She's the one with the crazy circle blade thing. You know what I mean? The big hula hoop. Right, yeah. She's a DLC character. And it's like, yeah, this game's already out. Get hyped for things you can spend more money on, people. Yeah, great. Ugh. It's like, I hate this practice twofold. One, like, having, like, selling your DLC before your game is out. Yeah, that's dumb. Bad idea. Um, especially when you're saying, like, yeah, this character's ready to go, but it's not going to be in the game. It's like it's just a bad look, uh, and also, like yeah, it's Tira, man. It's like she's been been a main character in the last few games for since Soul Calibur three. Yeah, don't make her <laughs> the last DLC. two games, three, four, five. Well, three games, kind of. Most of the games, in fact. I guess. <laughs> Although they did say Talim's back because I don't think she was in five. Wait, there's the whole children problem. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but there wasn't an equivalent. No. There wasn't even a Talim equivalent in, in 5. And it's like, yes, one of my my main from Soul Calibur 2 is back. Good stuff. Although I still don't think we've seen, like, Raphael. There's no, like, no good! <laughs> or whatever. No, no crazy fencing going on. But yeah, I remain optimistic, but... They've already started to show their hands that it's like maybe there aren't that many characters in the base game. Maybe. And you're going to have to pay more for more. Which would suck. Careful, Namco. Careful. Uh, Let's touch on... In a similar vein, let's touch on Devil May Cry 5. Like, I kind of want this game to be good, but having played Devil May Cry 4 recently, I am sceptical, to say the least, given how... Like, it's hard to find someone saying bad things about Devil May Cry, except Devil May Cry 2. Right. And it's... And I I feel a little bit like, what's this really about? Like, why do people really dig it as much as they do? Mm. And it's like... And then you watch a trailer for Devil May Cry 5 and you get... And you think, okay, stylistically, yeah, I really get it. This is a trailer, like, they're actually showing some combat now and it looks rad. It really, like, like seeing it in action looks really... Look pretty great. Like, they've done a proper next-gen job on it. Like, there's physics and you can throw things into buildings and the buildings will collapse on them and it's... Uh, there are weapons that take advantage of your environment and looks like they've gone... They've, uh, like done what I think was a problem in Devil May Cry 4 uh, by expanding Nero's arsenal, so you've got plenty of options now, um, rather than being somewhat limited with Nero, and then you play as Dante, and then it's like, oh yeah, this is what the game is supposed to be like. <laughs> it's like, it seems like they're, they're, they're at least learning from that. But I'm so terrified of the game like being 
having the exact same problem that Devil May, Cry, Devil May Cry 4 is, in that it's just not actually that much of a game in there. And what and what's there doesn't feel quite refined enough, especially when you put it next to Bayonetta or DMC. Yeah. yeah. Which has Although become are... like the gold standard, right? Like the, yeah. the Bayonetta. The Bayonetta, absolutely, yeah. Even Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is like seen in you know, in the, in, it's, it's the same sort of. It's in that field. It's, in, it's that style of game, and even that scene is like a, like a really good one. And to me, that like I, I really want to play that one um, because I bet it's better than Devil May Cry Four, <laughs> just because it's got some Metal Gear in there. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I remain skeptical. Uh, I want to see like it'll be one of those where it's like uh, oh, you've got to read that review carefully does it do the backtracking thing in the second half of the game because if it does then it's like yep this is nonsense am I going to have to play a terrible dice board game in order to get to the final boss like, it's like if that's a yes like, it's like no alright you've you ruined it Don't make five. Uh, let's do uh brr. Gris. I only want to bring this up because it has a very... I mean, we don't know a lot about it. It looks like a 2D platform... To, to be cynical about it, it looks like a 2D platformer much in the vein of Journey. Even the character design looks fairly Journey-like. Journey-ish, like, right. Like a cone-style dress and like sticks for arms and legs. Um, however, that art style for the world and how it's all animated looks amazing. It's like it's all it's all hand animated and it's all like uh I don't know, I guess very I'm I'm struggling to find the words to describe it. It's like like a, do you know that style of art where it's I guess it's almost Beatles album cover esque in a way, right? Where faces are drawn in quite a lot of detail but everything else kinda isn't. And then you put like a your colouring is almost like a gradient across the lines. I guess is the way you'd describe it. So instead of all being like a solid color, it's like they start as like a light blue at the top of the page, and as you go down, the like the the gradient on all of the lines kind of fades into something else, and it looks a little bit tie dye and a little bit um, okay. And then you combine it with some really excellent, like everything being hand drawn, hand animated in the world, and stuff like that, and combine it all together. And it's like this could be something really special. This could be really good if they if they nail like the aesthetic that seems like they've got it down. If the actual gameplay behind it is good too, yeah, it comes together. Yeah, this this looks like a bit of me. Uh, so worth checking out that trailer. Uh, it's Gris, just G R I S. Weirdly, Gris. Or is that like Gris, like French for grey? I mean, maybe. Uh, okay. Everything I've seen, everyone's been calling it Gris, but. Okay. Maybe it is Gree. Gree would make sense. Uh, in a similar vein, uh, the Valiant Hearts team are making a new World War story game, like they did, but this time for World War One, called Eleven Eleven. And again, you really need to see that thing. It's like they haven't shown a lot, and it's hard to get a feel for what the actual gameplay necessarily is. But the it's all done in a painted art style like the whole thing do you, like, do you remember how like the menus and stuff drew in Guild Wars 2 Zach that sort of like or even some of the promotional stuff they put on like you right, know, yeah. those backgrounds are like, like, if, like it looks like someone's done like hard brush strokes everywhere 
the whole game looks like that. And it's like a 3D world with a filter over it to make it look like these hard brushstrokes. So everything's kind of like permanently out of focus a little bit. But it's something. It's really something. Like, go go check that out. Um, and, you know, you know for a fact from Valiant Hearts that these guys know how to treat the subject matter. So, uh, yeah, one to watch, I think. And finally, surprise of the show, let's talk Windjammers 2. <laughs> okay. Get hype, man. Get hype. I mean, is it literally Windjammers 2? <laughs> Don't get that hype, though. I mean, that is the title of the game. It's Windjammers 2. <laughs> and it looks like it might be a Switch exclusive. Okay. Even the remake wasn't that hype because you can't. I mean, it's just a remake, right? It was like everyone had everyone had had that phase of hype when they when it got discovered again. Yeah, but you can't you can't beat that kind of arcade precision. No, there was a there was that a was the, when there that was phase. all those re- other remakes that were the remake mm. when other other people tried to rip it off. It was like you, you just can't do it like that. You can't make this a modern game. It has to be a pixel art, yeah, two frame animation. You're right. You're right. It has to be pixel art. It has to be crunchy yeah. in an old school way. If they don't get that right, then this isn't going to fly for me. There is something very visceral. Visceral is an overused word, but there's something very uh, tactile yes. about Windjammers. I mean, you could but, get away with like upping it to, well, we've already mentioned it before, you could get away with basically upping it to like Scott Pilgrim level pixel art. Yeah, <laughs> you could get away with that for sure. But it, it's got to have that style. Otherwise, it doesn't feel snappy enough. It doesn't feel... Like, cause what was it? Was it Disc Jam or something? Was the PS4 one that was... In fairness, in its own right, I, 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 I haven't played it, but like, it was considered a fairly good game. Yeah. But for something going at that Windjammers market, it's not the same thing. It's got that problem that a lot of 3D games do, where it's just like, it's a little bit floaty to it compared to the crunchiness of pixel games yep. from that... Um, I don't think, was it Neo? Yeah, it was Neo Geo from mm. that Neo Geo, Geo era where everything's like in your face, wham, bam, disc jam. Mm. You know, it's just. Their, um, their trailer seems to suggest that they get it, but they've done it in like che- super cheesy 80s anime style in the trailer. Like, it's not gameplay, this is just a trailer, mm. but this is a tease. But it, like, it kind of looks like they get the craziness of it. So mm. there's hope, I suppose. Anyway, Windjammers 2, man. I think there was a... I think a lot thought this day would never come. <laughs> I, don't, I think a lot were not thinking about it at all. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, that's true. Even fans of Windjammers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard, hard to argue with that stance. <laughs> Cool. It's that Gamescom then. What about this Desperado thing? Or... Uh, yeah, we can we can briefly talk about that if you want. Um, yeah, Despar- apparently Desperados is a like a, a tactics game of yore that like I've never come across before. Um, like, and this is kind of a, a kind of a reboot of it. Like, it was a franchise or something. Like, I, I honestly have no idea when or how it was or whatever. I know nothing about this. Um, the trailer they showed was kind of a little bit misleading because it was basically it was like a CG trailer of them saying like uh, like doing a game loop, be like here's a situation, here's how you could face it. Oh, it went bad. Try it again. 
Like you said, it'd be a diff- bit different this time. You'd have more help, and there'd be different things happening, and blah, 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 blah. and none of that was really, really all that interesting. Up until there was a cat that seemed to mind control someone, and it's like, okay, this has taken a slightly strange turn, and then we actually got to see some of the game. Um, so the the game itself is, uh, it's by the same team that worked on Shadow Tactics, which is like a top down. I want to say if um, did you. Which, did one of us play Commandos? I or... tried to play Commandos 2 at some point. Right. The, the oh, yeah. past. So it's that. Like, it's it, it's that style, for sure. Yeah, um, well, the, that depends exactly how, like, close to that style. Yeah, like. how, how, the, the, how mechanically the, it seems. It's like the difference between Commandos and XCOM is actually quite different. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Even what, though they look quite similar. So... Uh, from what I can tell, it's more in the commando style, and that you know there doesn't seem to be a grid. It's like you can, when you're firing your shots, for instance, they show like a cone of effect. Mm. If you're firing a shotgun, for instance, then you can like sort of plan. And I couldn't quite work out if it was turn based or real time. Like I don't know, was come up, like if you could pause and then, or if it's like the pause and go sort of action. Mm. Um, where it's like pause, choose what everyone's doing, and then then execute. Da 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 da. But. I can't think of many games that have tried to do this in the Western theme other than maybe the old Desperados games, wherever the hell they were. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. For, for tactical players that I guess Zach is and maybe Dan would be <laughs> at times, uh, this might be worth a shout, especially given that, Dan, you like Westerns. <laughs> I mean, I like Red Dead. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and Western is like a, a criminally underused... Well, was before Red Dead, like setting for video games is pretty perfect. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there are there's quite a lot I can think of, but it's like a lot, of, a lot of relatively recent indie titles have had a sort of Western theme to them, but not mm. many, not many like big screen games have tr- try it. Do you know what I mean? Not, not many triple A's go for it. No, you got your Red Dead, and I guess we had that um, Call of Juarez Gunslinger many a year ago. Mm. That was that was doing that in an arcadey sort of way. All those old arcade, like the FMV arcade games. <laughs> you know the ones I mean. It's like yeah, I can't remember what they were called. Well, like, the problem now is I'm I'm just remembering what the there was that um, Connect game on 360 that had had um, had a, had a had a takedown of those old games, the like Wavy Tube yes. Man or something. That was the DLC. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gunstringer. Gunstringer. That was it. Yeah. Wavy Tube Man was... Chronicles was it? Or... Yeah. And it was basically just one of those FMV shooting games. Like they probably should have sold that thing separately from Gunstringer. Uh. Yeah, and that was that, really. That's all I know about it at this point. I presume sure. there'll be more detailed analysis if you go digging. It's the trouble with tactics games. They're hard to show. It's the trouble with the settlers. <laughs> yes. You've got to get your hands on it, sink some time into it. So, that's the Gamescom show, or at least the things that we care to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot more happened, but I, I would argue that not a lot of it was all that interesting. Yeah. Don't don't watch the inside Xbox show, for instance. It's not a press conference. It's kind of tedious. But there was a press conference unrelated to Gamescom, I presume, from Nvidia. Yeah, this predated Gamescom by like a day. Um, where they've finally announced the new series of graphics cards. 
Get your wallets at the ready. These things <laughs> Prepare are pricey. <laughs> so okay, what are they so, called? RTX, is that right? Or? Uh, the RTX, and they're also calling it the 20 series. So they're not doing 11 wow. cards. They've jumped from 10 all the way to 20. Wow. Because numbers, I don't because know. Because numbers, yeah. Um, so on paper, these things are... NVIDIA are claiming a six times performance jump this generation over the last generation of cards. So uh, again, what? Yeah, like, I think, well, comparing like apples to apples, like like for like. Uh, that was the. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that that number jumping around where they were like, yeah, like just in okay. terms of, I guess maybe that's in raw flops or whatever they right. they use. Okay. Um, like so, if you compare the 1080 from this series to a 1080 from that series, the jump is roughly six times or something like that. Okay. It sounds like a lot. That sounds weird. Was it really? Mm. It can't have been a six times jump from a 980 to a 1080. Maybe. I doubt it. No, yeah. I doubt it. Anyway, okay. Well, fair. I would say Nvidia are always making up ridiculous stuff. Yeah, like yeah. all their patch notes where it's like twenty five percent improved performance in Tomb Raider, and it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, what what <laughs> performance in what scenario? In what case? Like in under what circumstances? And it's like because I think the architecture, like, is it's one of those series jumps where the architecture is quite different this time. So you could argue that what is it? The eight nines and tens were were relatively similar. Like the eights were their brand new GPU design, and then the nines and tens built on it, sort of. And then right, I, go, yeah. I, think, I think I think they're claiming that these twenty designs are actually significantly different. These are new, the are they? Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. enough to the point where it makes a thing. Um, so I don't know. It's the, not the always thing... good to get the first generation of the new thing, though. No. It? So I got burnt. Remember when I bought the eight eight? Was it the eight eighty? Yeah, I had, and it was uh, the drivers were not there. <laughs> Like it was, um, yeah, it was it was awkward because it was awkward for a number of reasons. Because it was on, it was the eight eighty came out at the same time as the launch of Windows Vista, which required a dramatic different driver set as well. You know, the driver language was changing effectively, like and the driver permissions and all that stuff uh, was going through a bit of an upheaval um, from XP. And so the 880 drivers were focused on Vista and were terrible on XP <laughs> mm. for a long time. And then they eventually sorted it out. But so, yeah, risky. But I guess they're not tied into. I guess we know Windows 10 is fairly cemented and we know that's not going away. So maybe that's less of a problem this time. Probably. Uh, yeah, so there's that. And the, like, so the, the, I guess the, the big tech demo they're showing this time. Is uh, ray traced reflections? Yeah, like so. Real time ray tracing is their big push for this series yeah. of cards, and there's some um, some almost too impressive demos going on. It's like really, it's like it's like could it really do that? Because if it can, then that's incredible. Yeah, like, the Battlefield Five stuff they showed. Where so it's I did like, watch okay, this. Yeah, yeah, the sides of cars will be reflecting like flames and the people running past and it's like how yeah. far does this ray go how like because ray tracing is is expensive for a reason because it's got to be rendering stuff out of shot yeah which exactly. is not something normal cards are designed to do even in the way they currently do reflect well, the rays it's often go fudged in some way let me remember how it works right do the ray the rays go the opposite way of like actual light they go out of your eyeballs Yes. And so ray, ray trace, yeah. Right, ray tracing yeah, works sense. by like take, taking the pixel point on the sc- on the shot you're trying to produce. Yeah. 
projecting the ray out of it. Right. So they're only drawing the fire when it's being reflected, right? Is that right? Because you're looking at the glass and a ray comes out of your camera it to the glass, bounces off, and then goes out of shot, and then it knows to draw that thing that's out of shot. I know it's really expensive, but at least it's yeah, not, so, it doesn't so, have to draw everything I mean, this all is, the time, right? I mean, I guess this is where it like conflicts with regular rendering techniques, right? Because if it's like if that ray bounced off and hit a polygon, then the graphics card suddenly needs to figure out how to render that polygon yep. and any effects that may apply to that polygon yep. and any texturing that may apply to that polygon. The whole polygon. shebang, yeah. Yeah. But I guess, like, thinking about it, can you, I mean, in Battlefield Vive, it looked really good, but I mean, can you just do, if it's just for reflections, can you just do it, like, like, less well, you know, does it matter if it doesn't look, do you know what I mean? Like, like, in reflections in general, sometimes, like, like, when you have reflections on a body of water, there was that old trick where the reflections are, like, half oh, screen, frame screen space stuff. reflections, they call yeah, them. Yeah, or whatever. Oh, the, but, yeah, there's that one, and there's also that they, they're effectively using what's on screen to generate the Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if you yeah. just rendered them at a lower resolution and frame rate or whatever from the rays? I don't know if you could save that way. Um, you probably could. That sounds feasible, yeah, because... Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You remember the early days of the, of of games trying to do that sort of real time reflection updating. We're definitely doing that. Hmm. I mean, you still get racing games, I'm sure, where the mirrors like and oh, the yeah. bonnet like reflect at half frame rate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, and that's like not ray trace. That's screen space. I think Forza Horizon Two was still yeah. doing that. In fact, like some of some of the updates weren't even on the thirty frames per second game. Some of them yeah. weren't. Up to speed. No, oh no. Maybe I'm thinking Forza Five. Forza anyway, Five probably did that. Yeah. There's no denying that looks really cool. That Battlefield Five ray traced thing, mm. and it lo- and They'll- it was real time as well. Although, who the- knows how many uh, uh, cards they had hooked up together? You know, yeah, running to actually, that, they actually they? succeed that. Yeah. And there was um, there was someone definitely made the comment at some point that it's like they're actually having to think about this sort of reflection tech because they're worried it might give a competitive advantage oh for sure you're like oh suddenly i can actually see around this corner because i can see the it, the reflection oh of the i see to the players yeah 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 oh yeah absolutely i mean that's cool really cool <laughs> it is cool but it's like yeah. for those that can that you suddenly got the, the haves and haves not problems where the haves definitely have oh i see yeah can can see things that the other players can't. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's interesting. I, I guess that happens with all new tech. Right? Well, you know, <laughs> but that, that happens comes with, with like draw distance. At yeah, the same yeah, point. yeah. But then draw distance is never a problem. Is it? They just well, change it. For, they change it for LOD <laughs> now, and it's yeah. Like I guess you really could spot something reflected in a puddle that gate that someone else wouldn't notice or something. I mean, what if you're looking at the floor, like picking up a gun from the ground, for instance, and then it's like suddenly you <laughs> see something in the, in the reflection of the, of the puddle you're looking at. And it's like, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting if they can really get this into current gen games or next, you know, like next year games. Um, yeah. With these cards. Cause that is like genuinely something new, which is, quite nice oh yeah i mean it's it's, something consoles can't do you know as well although yeah yeah you imagine there must be some sort of specific hardware on this thing that's like like designed to do something like that Mm. because it used to be that the ray traced stuff 
like um you know all the optimizations in the gpu did nothing for ray tracing so you might as well like if you're running ray trace quake which you could you just ran it on oh, the, yeah. on the cpu didn't you you didn't even use the mm. graphics card so they must have well, I, I mean th- i mean ray tracing in theory like real time ray tracing that could can work well on a uh, you you'd pr- probably would work better on a GPU rather than a CPU anyway, just because of the parallelization, right? Like each ray yeah. is an individual process that doesn't yeah. need to really interact with any other rays. You'd think so, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know much about graphics pipelines. No. Honestly, the ins and outs of it are a lot messier than they once were. <laughs> so, very cool, very expensive, not going to be Very mature. expensive. Well, yeah, because boy, these things like that. So they're already, they've already announced the TIs, which is unusual. Like yeah. The TIs are normally like a couple of years after the or a year after the main card has come out. It took ages for um, the 1080 Ti to be announced. Was, exactly. Yeah. So I was so kind already, of waiting for it at the time. They're that confident, I guess, about this that it's like, yeah, our TIs are are coming out immediately for eleven hundred pounds. Yep. For a graphics card, like that's not like. I feel like a quadro that's not or a really different than it was the last time. No, it definitely is because I picked up my ten. My ten eighty wasn't. Yeah, but that's not a TI. <laughs> it's not a TI. No, but I'm pretty sure the TIs the last time ran were at least a foul. No, they were like eight hundred, but it's still a lot. Yeah, and also the problem I mean, was that the they was going price. for like more than their RRP because of the fucking Bitcoin miners, so you couldn't actually yeah. buy them. Apparently, that's mostly died down now. So right, like, okay. the, like the Bitcoin stuff. So uh, the regular 2080 is 749, which I, from memory, I seem to remember the 1080s launched at about 600. So even the even the right. even the, the base, base 2080 is quite a jump. But we have um, got to a point where it's like the the base one is will do you 4K, right? Is in theory, yeah. With, with this yeah. with this round, yeah, it should be should be okay. Maybe sixty if you're lucky. Right, I guess it depends, right? Yeah, because they recommend most games that like tout 4K 60 are talking about you know oh yeah you need a 1080 Ti for this. Yeah, yeah. So it's like your base 2080 should be able to beast it with current graphics levels. Let's yeah. put, let's you know yeah. always put that in perspective. Yeah, but maybe not too much of the ray tracing <laughs> no With the base one yeah well yeah imagine like if you're doing 4k then like that might be a good candidate for like only doing 1080 ray, ray tracing yeah <laughs> whilst running 4k everything else that's yeah exactly uh yeah so they are a lot of money but it looks like a lot of power <laughs> yeah the thing is is those 1080 i mean i guess because there was no competitor i get like those the, the atis didn't i don't think quite got to the 1080 ti's oomph uh i don't know if nvidia really have competition in this space no like you know so what what would what would drive the price down because the 1080s are still the price is still up there right and obviously the bitcoin thing happened which helped like gave the longevity that Nvidia would want, I guess, out of these things, but I guess maybe if AMD, because what are they going to stop making the 1080 series? Because like then there'll oh, be I no. Think already, cheap I think options. they've already stopped. Yeah. Then then there's no option above uh, un, under 750 quid. Is there? What do you do? I mean, you there is a 2070. Right. So there is a like you know the 70 series oh, right. okay. come out yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time. Okay. Um, but that is still 569 pounds. Yeah, it's quite a lot. So there's no like. Yeah. mid-range card anymore i would say i, I would consider all of those high-end price high tags end, yeah 
I can't remember how much because mine's like a nine seventy. A uh, really good card. I can't, it can't have been mu- more than like four hundred odd. Oh, yeah, nine seven, the nine seventy. I don't. I don't think that was maybe ever less. that much. Maybe less. Yeah. yeah, I got it new, obviously. Uh, maybe less. Yeah. Before my, what I had a six seventy before my ten eighty, and I'm pretty sure that was only a couple hundred. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I say okay. only. There is inflation to take into account a, a little bit, like, uh, but not that much. But probably a lot more after Brexit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the yeah. pounds are not going to be worth anything. <laughs> There was the classic fight like erupted online about hey the US prices are like twenty percent more than the UK prices. It's like hey guys, American prices are quoted without without sales tax. Right. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> Jeez. Uh but yeah, it could be big news for PC gaming anyway. And who knows, this kind of tech jump may direct uh future consoles or perhaps yeah. it will steer them more towards ATI because, you know, AMD ATI stuff is considerably cheaper and so it might actually be the better option for putting in a home console. Well, they're, they're the all down. fully AMD, aren't they? Right yeah, now? yeah, both, Integrated. both platforms. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Except uh, Nintendo because that's running right. on NVIDIA kit. Yeah, of course, but that's like the mobile NVIDIA kit. Yeah, right? the, the Tigra yeah. stuff. Yeah, which was genius plan. <laughs> work perfectly for the switch mm-hmm. yeah so the future's an interesting one i i they've got to do something about those prices bitcoiners yeah. won't care bitcoiners will buy them in droves <laughs> although i have i was sort of been watching the markets as you do for bitcoins and i was expecting a spike like when these cards came out you know and they were like uh, you know, it's like they're, they're so much more powerful than before, and like surely all the crypto guys would be like, "Yes, we can, we can milk this, and we can make so much more money now." Well, um, should it be the opposite, right? If, if everyone can then mine more Bitcoin more quickly, then maybe the value of Bitcoin will go down. Uh, I don't know, but it gets harder. To, that, that's the way it works, isn't it? it? Gets harder over time, anyway, to mine a Bitcoin. So. Sure, but then doesn't it like it like isn't it? I don't know. Isn't it one of those things where like you would. Would it be considered more people investing in Bitcoin? In, well, I suppose if mine is... I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I think they happened. just adjust it. They? <laughs> they just adjust it to the kind of power of computing, the present yeah. power of computing, right? Yeah. Anyway, n- none of that happened. It's like the, the, it stayed constant <laughs> or constantly declining as crypto markets have been over the last... Mm. Well, since January. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, interesting. Uh, that was the news. Yes, yeah, not going to affect us for a long time because you've just got a really uh, powerful card. I'm not in the market for PC stuff. Um, I mean, the the 1080 is fine. It's like a, you know, it's really the, good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, especially because I mean, you have a 1080 uh, P monitor, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not so pushing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, you know, most most games I'm still running at a comfortable 120 frames. Yeah. Uh, with most things turned on, um, most things. I would like, you know, I am, uh, I mean, I am the sort of market that would be considering a 4K TV, uh, which, yeah. but that's 4K 60. So if I'm running like 1080, 120 all the time, it's like maybe I can pull off like a halfway house like most of the consoles do, like a 1440 or something like that and still still benefit from my 1080. But mm. for those looking to really get the newest, the latest and greatest, 
Here you go. 2080. Surprisingly little talk about HDR on PC still. Yeah. It's got to be noted. I think it's possible now, hmm. but it just seems to be not be really discussed. It's a bit weird because it's, it's quite a boon for those 4K TVs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, HDR is probably a bigger thing than... Because if you're going to buy a, a like a freaking grand's worth of graphics card, you probably want a freaking massive G-Sync 4K HDR monitor, right? Otherwise, what's the... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Does NVIDIA stuff support FreeSync? I don't know. I think... Because there are a few TVs out there now that actually have FreeSync free sync in them. Oh, really? Well, that should like, go into uh, consoles then. <laughs> like, I've shifted my uh, desired TV to a Samsung Q9F, which has FreeSync built in. Um, the FreeSync thing isn't colouring my decision-making. It's like, no, it's just a beautiful, just like, it's have just have a beautiful screen. Uh, but yeah, it just happens to have FreeSync, and it's like, oh, can NVIDIA support that? That would be amazing if it could. Because then I could run stuff at 4K, have FreeSync... Frame rate would be less. Frame rate judder would be less of a problem because it would be free syncing it away. Isn't free so sync like another name from, for like part? It's actually just part of the DisplayPort standard or something, isn't it? Or something. So, is that right? Um, I can't remember. I, I think it was an open source variant. Right. Yeah. That's why it's called free sync. Yeah. Uh, but whether it's part of a standard or not, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Cool. But yeah, that would make the argument for like dips below 60 being acceptable because you'd probably notice them a lot less because it wouldn't cause noticeable frame jitter. So there. So there. Truth. Right, I think that's the news. That is the news. Good bit of news. And it's time for what you've been playing. So let's welcome to the stage Zachary Burgess. Yeah. Zucky B. Finally, I actually had something to say, even though it's not actually new, I guess. Oh, I do have one new thing, I guess. Except not really. How does the NVIDIA card affect your PC plans? Because you're thinking of building a well, yes, PC. Well, yes. Like, I'm in this annoying, like, phase between, like, the prices have just started coming down after the crypto mining thing, but now they're going to start, the old cards are going to start going up as they become scarce, but then Maybe. the new cards are too far up above that. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm probably going to be screwed again. Unless you go Ryzen. <laughs> get get some AMD kit. Mm, yeah, I don't really want to. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. <laughs> Not on a PC. So yeah, uh, I played a bunch of Factor as usual. Wait, Ryzen are their CPUs? Yeah, they're the CPUs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they Factor might be worth it. looking at, Teg. <laughs> the CPUs. Mm. Anyway, mm. fact, if you want to run some seriously big Factorio levels, you might want to run yeah, some exactly. CPU. That's all CPU. <laughs> no GPU involved, except it, it's kind of GPU. <laughs> kind of. I've r- definitely reached the point in my C-block game where if you zoom out fully, it now starts, the frame rate starts dropping. But that's because it's tied to the game update rate, so that is still technically CPU. Right, yeah. <laughs> the game loop is suffering because it can't figure things out fast enough. Yeah. But yeah, I'm after many, many hours of planning, I'm finally at the point where I'm basically just building everything, and then I'm going to be screwed because I'll be out of power. <laughs> <laughs> I just like every time I've been building these modular base elements, I've been like, okay, I've built, I've designed this whole this whole module that's just going to make iron. 
and then like I laid it out and then I placed it down and then you connect it up to power and it turns on and it makes all the iron and I'm like okay I'm running at pretty much maximum power off just that one <laughs> and then I've built like 20 of them and I'm like yeah as soon as I plug all this in I'm just going to be completely fine <laughs> <laughs> but luckily running out of power in factory isn't as bad as you might imagine it is because it basically it just makes everything run slower proportionally to how much your power grid is overloaded. Mm. So technically I'll be okay. It will just be really annoying for a while in the first couple of research. Because really, I could theoretically build a nuclear power station at the moment, but it would be... I don't have, like, fuel reprocessing, so I can't do anything with the leftover fuel, and it, so it's not really very efficient. And I'd have to build... I'd have to build a bunch of stuff to make extra uranium... Whereas if I have fuel reprocessing, you can reprocess the fuel and basically get more fuel out of it. It's way more efficient once you have that technology. Mm. So I'll probably have to suffer with really bad power grid for like that technology that I haven't got yet. And then once I get that, I'll have to design a proper nuclear station and then that will solve all the power problems forever, hopefully. <laughs> because nuclear is well overpowered. Literally. Well, unfortunately, it does also mean that I'll actually have to... I'll have to design one from scratch rather than just using the blueprint that I have for a, a, the basic power station design that I've used in Vanilla Factory. Because mm. with the C-block modifications and this weird different version of fuel repro reprocessing, it's like, yep, going to have to design that from scratch again. But hopefully what I'll be able to do is make that modular, except not in the same way as I've been making these modular modules. It'll be... Modular module? It'll be like stacked where you can just add another two reactors on top of the like just build a big long line of reactors basically because they have adjacency bonus so ah. basically the most efficient way is to just build an infinitely long two wide reactor line so if I could just design that just design two reactors next to each other with all the steam works all the turbines and whatnot, just stamp that down over and over infinite power <laughs> Hopefully. That'll be the idea. Infinite power. So there's that. Still chugging away at Factorio. Hope you know. I've been it's been really annoying to have to resist going to play new games of Factorio. Like because I've been watching the occasional video of people doing new mods or updated mod packs, and I'm like, I really want to play that, but I know if I do that, I'm never going to finish this fucking C block game, <laughs> and I really want to actually finish the C block game. How many hours do you think you've put into this one game, like of C block? Like not let alone your well, the there's two, there's been two games of C block. Oh, so, right, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. twice as much. Hundreds upon hundreds of hours, I'm sure. I don't know if it's hundreds upon hundreds. It might be hundreds. God, man. <laughs> That's madness. Although, you know, it's hard to get an actual estimation of the in-game timer because yeah, yeah. a lot of that... You know, there's also the time where you're not necessarily playing the game. Yeah. You're doing calculations and I'm in my Excel spreadsheet and working out the maps <laughs> before I place it all down. They're literally engineering. Yeah, I guess. Luckily, I've, I think I finally got to the point with my Excel spreadsheet where I've basically got a default, like, formatted thing where you can just copy and paste it and just input the numbers and it does all the calculations for you. So, like, when, you, when you're putting in, like, speed modules or efficiency modules, 
like just in a singular box I can type in how many speed modules how many efficiency modules and it automatically propagates that through all the calculations and down the chain of different resources that st- so it stacks and then I can just be like yep yeah, instant maths <laughs> don't have to think about that any longer no Excel delays <laughs> sorts of uh, calculations still do have to you know enter in every resource every time I wish there was some easy way to store that you almost need it to be like a like a uh, flowchart almost where you can just like drag and drop here's the iron recipe just drag and drop that in and connect it to what the ins and outs are that would be mm. way more convenient than Excel but you know eventually you're just making this whole other program to run this other program it's like when you would when you were toying with me about writing Eve resource calculators yeah exactly like it's like here's a, here's a tool for actually playing another tool like game <laughs> I mean theoretically the Eve resource calculators is still like you could do that in Excel to a certain extent it just wouldn't be as convenient hmm. as having a proper database and everything because that's why you know that's why the Excel sheets is slow because you're basically creating everything from scratch every time apart from the calculations you still have to input all the resources. You still have to look at the recipe and be like, okay, this is the output. These are the two inputs. And then you propagate oh, the sure. two so inputs can, further down the chain. You don't necessarily recall. I mean, yeah, a whole a whole. It's like you can copy and paste some of it if yeah. it's the same, but not all of it. Not without writing macros to yeah. start doing the job. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. Uh, we've also started finally getting around to Stardew Multiplayer. <laughs> mm. So we got back into that. And that is pretty much how you would expect that to function. Except it still has, like, things that... Well, for a start, it still has things that are basically bugs. And I'm like, what? how did this How did this take so long? And it's still got these weird, like, kind of bugs. And the bugs that are, like, kind of similar to how it was in the multiplayer mod. <laughs> that was, like, real gl- glitchy in itself. Like, the main example has been that when you're you I'm not sure how it works between like the host and the other players but what's been happening for me I'm hosting is I'll be out somewhere in the world just doing whatever and the other player goes into the mines and it starts playing the mines music but I can hear it like the the mines music overwrites my music for no apparent reason okay (laughs) I'm like what (laughs) Like, I, I was standing outside fishing in the rain, and I, you know, it has the nice atmospheric rain noise, and then the rain noise stopped and it starts playing the mines music, and I'm like, oh, they've gone into the mines, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell from the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. And then the, the other problem it has in the multiplayer, which is another thing where it's like, it feels like they should have fixed this during the testing process, I guess, or decided a better way for this to work is there's still uh, some parts of it where like progression does share and doesn't share kind of like almost randomly but not randomly like you all have your the money is pulled which is fair enough that makes sense because you're still technically only running one farm (laughs) and you're chucking all the exports into one export box so your money pool is shared then, like, your character progression is individual, but that also includes stuff like buying the backpack upgrades and tool tool upgrades and stuff, and that's still fair enough, I guess. But then when, when you get to the mines, where you go go down the different levels of the mines and you have to reach every five, floor, five floors, there's an elevator, so you have to 
if you make it five floors, you can start from that point again the next time or whatever. That, for some reason, is shared. So once one person has gone down the mines, anyone can just access the elevator and go to that point. Which makes sense if you want to, like, team up to go mm. through the mines. But it's also, like, this weird, like, skips a bunch of progression. So, but is that a problem? Like, like is how to start you, what, like, are you not progressing as a team then? Or? Well, you could argue that, well, you, I guess you're not getting the experience points to leveling up your combat level. If right. you're not fighting. Sure. You do get the items because every 10 levels there's a chest. So you can just basically go to the elevator and just jump every 10 levels and just get the stuff <laughs> for free. Right. Yeah. So you're not missing out on like the weapons and defensive armor stuff that's in those chests. So you're still as effective in combat apart from the skill. Are the mines really runnable though? Yeah. Okay. So you're, it's like you're kind of not missing out. It's just weirdly like lets you do that. You just can if you want. Yeah. Well, maybe that works out. I don't know. Maybe there's less repetition involved, and like if your team's helping you. But yeah, maybe the combat level. Maybe it's tuned in such a way that it's like if your combat level is down, like it's based on the team's overall combat level. Yeah, I don't think it is. I think it's just like generic. This floor is this level. Yeah, I'm not sure it does any scaling. There is one bit of scaling that that is overall in the whole game that you set when you start the save file. You can choose to reduce the profit margins to make it more, <laughs> like, if you have more people, because obviously you can do way more work, mm. you can set the profit margins down so you, so it's not quite so ridiculous. Mm. And we set it proportionally, there's two of us, we set it down one step to 75%. Okay. Which, maybe we should have turned it down more, because even it, because, it, you know, default Stardew, it's not difficult to make a shit ton of cash, and... With two of us at seventy five percent, it's not difficult to make a ton of cash, which I guess proportionally makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> We've made it as difficult as it would have been in single player. Or shouldn't you be fifty percent up over what you'd be doing in single player? Theoretically, but I would assume that it's because you can do more work, but you not you you don't really progress any faster, so you're not necessarily able to do the more expensive things any quicker. I guess you could say you still have to go through the seasons. You still have to unlock the crops in the ones that unlock at a certain point. Like there's a still a certain rhythm to the way the, you progress through the, it. The time of the game is still important. It just and you know each 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 person still wants to do their own thing to some extent. Like you have your own fishing log. So you want to catch all the fish. So see, yeah. everyone's still going to want to do their own days worth of fishing. And yes, that fish is worth money, but <laughs> it's still energy you could have been spending to do something else, make I guess. It, make, make, surely it's a nice little competition. It's like first person to catch all the fish. <laughs> Lifetime goal. Yeah, I guess. So I don't know how we'll go with that. We've already run into the problems of my, you know, the classic multiplayer problem of who's designing this thing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Your big uh, pet peeve. Yep, my factorial problem. It's not so bad in Stardew because you know you just you just put crops down. Although we did kind of like naturally start being like, "This is my half of the field. This is your half of the field." <laughs> that just kind of happened by mainly because like because you're you're expending your energy. So obviously at the start of the day, you do fifty percent of the watering each, mm. and it was just like, "Well, that just makes sense." But then that kind of turned into, I'll deal with the crops in this half of the field and replant them and whatever and buy the seeds, and you do that half. Mm. <laughs> Not just the watering. <laughs> so are you actually 
growing twice as much. You could say that, yeah, I guess, because you have twice as much energy to spend on watering, so you can grow twice as much. Do you have the space, I guess? No, well, it's not any a bigger farm, but arguably you don't use most of that farm until well late in that game anyway. Mm. (laughs) So yeah, we're doing that. We haven't really seen any of the new stuff yet. There's a couple of new like festivals, event type things Mm. since the patch. Just added for the multiplayer stuff or like No, I think they're just yeah, just base game stuff Mm. that has been updated. Nice. So yeah, we'll get to that eventually I'm sure. Don't know I it's the same problem that we had when we were playing the mod, where it's just like, I can't actually remember how many years we got in on the mod. I think we only got into, like, the middle of year two. Because technically, the, like, you know, ending of that game, except it's not an ending, because it's infinitely continuable. Sure. The ending happens in year three. So I'm not sure whether we got to that when we played it in the mod, and I'm not sure we'll get to that again. But, you know, you never know. Maybe this time we will. <laughs> It'd be nice, because... I still have achievements to get in that game that are, you know, the end game achievements. Catch all the fish, cook right, all the right. food. <laughs> this would be an excuse to actually go do it. Yeah, although... Well, as I say, make the fish a competition thing. Again, <laughs> Encourage each other again. I feel like that's not going to happen, though, because of that's how this multiplayer stuff goes. Yeah, yep, someone falls off. Someone falls off eventually before everyone else. Mm. So the multiplayer so far never gets finished. Although, you know, Stardew, you can always go back, I guess. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's a pain in the ass to actually organise that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's that. And then I guess the new thing to talk about, even though it's not really a new thing because it's a demo. <laughs> played the demo of Valkyria Chronicles 4 on Switch. Hell yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Have you played it, Rob? I haven't, but like... No. What? No. What are you doing? I'm playing it's on Switch as well. I know, but I'm playing Final Fantasy 15 and it's true. taking all of my time. Yeah, <laughs> probably would. It's a Final Fantasy game, taking a long time. But yeah, Valkyria Chronicles 4. You, you want to say it's one of those games, except it's one of the one game. It's one of that it's one game. It's not the other two games that where they fucked up the formula. It's one of that one game where it was good. Yeah. There's three other games. Like, there's oh, two, yeah. two there's three, and now, and yeah, the weird. I forget even what it's called. Who cares? Yeah. It's, not, it's not a proper Valkyria game. <laughs> well, apparently this no, apparently this is the one that's not a proper Valkyria game because this this one and the first one are now in the minority. Yeah, I suppose you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's very much that first game then. Well, maybe too much though. Oh, okay. Like it still suffers from the same awkwardness of the menus and the like, the controls and all that stuff. Mm. It's like it's got basically the exact same UI and the same like you know push up on the right stick to zoom in the scope for no apparent reason because we decided that was a thing <laughs> up on the oh yeah because <laughs> you're always going to want to shoot the maximum zoom because that increases your accuracy oh does it <laughs> well functionally because the target reticle circle hit zone gets smaller compared to your target if you zoom in the full <laughs> so obviously you're always going to zoom yeah, just in the always, full just always zoom in yeah <laughs> Like, that's I, I, I can see the white of your eye. Yeah. <laughs> I can shoot at the white of your eye, but I know it's going to hit. I mean, the only reason it does that is because otherwise you wouldn't be able to see what you were aiming at before you zoomed in. You do need to be able to have the zoomed out view to actually tell where you're looking. Because <laughs> that's how the way the aiming mode works. I guess. Through scopes. Yeah. But yeah, it's maybe a little too similar. The thing is, 
Obviously, it's set in the same war because that makes sense, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's an alternate World War Two squad, isn't it? Like to so the the oh, I forget their names, but like main dude and main lady. That's happening somewhere else. Well, I mean, because it makes sense for it to be set in the same war because you wouldn't come up with a whole new and like you just have to come up with a weird alternate World War Three. But then that's not really the idea of alternate history. You want no. it to be historical. So I guess they kind of, unless they wanted to go back to the First World War, then... Or do, then, like, alternate Vietnam or something, that would be... Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> but, the, yeah, the whole point is that it's not, like, they don't have much in the way of flying things, or... No. Except they sort of do, but they don't, don't use them in these conflicts. But, yeah, so they, they it's in that same war, and it's not in Galia, the, the Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's not there any longer. But the thing is... But you're the same force? You're on the same well, side? Well, no, you're... This one, you're in the Federation. So you're in the Allies, basically. Right, right. Now. Because your uniform and all that looks kind of the same. Well, not really. It's actually quite different. No, is it? It's more... And also, it's, like, brown rather than blue. Because it's the Federation Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. But So you're in the Federation now, but... You're in a squad that is made up primarily of galleons. <laughs> because, obviously, with the Gallia being neutral at the start of the war, all the people who wanted to fight signed up into the Federation. So um, now you're in a, you're a Gallian squad in the Federation army. Right. Is it, <laughs> an, like, is it an honour? I guess. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit of a haven't, got, haven't got to that yet. Yeah. Haven't got a, to the princess. That was a silly so joke from the that. first game, because it's like you'd get... Um, you'd get honours, and they were an Yeah, honor. so the medals were <laughs> honours, and it was a, I present you with this honour... And then, and then your character would say, it's an honour. <laughs> That's genius. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird that you're a squad of Guardian people in the, in the Federation. And you're, you're talking about, like, how your, your hometown was one of the border towns that gets fucked up when Guardian gets invaded. So that's your motivation to become better, I guess. <laughs> and also, I like how you're in the, um, you're in the Edinburgh army because alternate history, the UK, is called Edinburgh. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Right. Weird. That's weird. You'd think they'd call it, why... like, Bre- Bretagne I... or something. Because that's, you know, like, or like... There's loads of, of the other Albion countries, or something. <laughs> none of the other yeah. countries in this alternate history use the normal names... Anglesia. Yeah. It's like they've just for some reason decided to use Edinburgh, even though that's a real one. That's really <laughs> it's weird. It's just now that it's been upgraded to a country instead of a city. And borough means spelled, town. Is it spelled, it spelled, no, it's not even spelt weird, it's the spelt the same. Oh. Weird. That is a strange, strange choice. And I it, bet they just wanted to go to the car tour. Right? Well, and maybe, maybe, maybe that'll be in the game. But yeah. yeah and then, so you, it's apart from that, it's basically the same. You do the Valkyrie Chronicles themes. But that's cool, There's right? There's a new class of unit, I guess. That's new. The Grenadier, which is basically a mortar. <laughs> Even though they call it a Grenadier, but whatever. Which has slightly different mechanics. It's weird because... I mean, first of all, it's basically... It's reaction fire, but like projectile reaction fire, so it can shoot things that it can't directly see, so that someone else can see it. So reaction fire is a bit like Overwatch from... yeah. XCOM, right? And that if you, one of your guys moves in front of them. Yeah, except now with the yeah. mortars, it's like way more ranged. 
which is maybe a bit powerful. I've like the small amount that I've played against grenadiers. It seemed like that's really difficult to deal with. And they also use the visibility of others. Yeah, it's not even their line of sight. It's anyone's line of sight. Yeah, as long as it's in their range, which is tricky. And also, that doesn't seem to be shown, which would help. Like if there's because you start moving. And as soon as you move into range, you start hearing the waters coming. So you have to kind of like estimate where the edge of their range is by being like, okay, I can't go any closer than that. So if I skirt around the sort of circular area of where they probably are, that will be safe. I don't know if that sounds all that fun. But on the plus side, when you get to use them, they're real useful. Of course they are. Yeah, they sound ridiculously powerful. They do have a slightly weird twist on the reaction fire mechanic. Because you, you remember how in the first game... The trick to it was, as soon as you go into aim mode, everyone stops shooting. Yes. So you run out there into the direct line of sight of all the enemies, but as soon as you go into aim mode, they stop shooting at you so you can shoot them. Because you're effectively on like a wait mode. Yeah. And it's like, this is what I would have done at this point in time. So that's that was the convenience of that. But now they've subverted that with the Grenadiers, because when you move the Grenadiers and they pack up their mortar, when they stop to put the mortar back down, that sequence still happens in real time. So you can't leave them in direct line of fire. <laughs> oh, I see. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, because I'm not sure. Did it work like that when you fired like the the Lancer rockets? No, they were just the like the same thing? with the aim mode. You go, you hit the button, and it just goes into the Lancer view. Right. And so it didn't take like when they actually fired it. There wasn't like a real time. No, right, there was yeah. no actual time to it, and there still isn't with the Lancers in this. It's just the Grenadiers. They have their setup they have a set up time. time. But, but, like, that's kind of interesting but yeah. why would they be that close to the enemy anyway really? yeah. I mean that's the whole point yeah <laughs> I guess it means if they were running around they suddenly couldn't beca- they, they, it's to prevent them becoming combat effective yeah immediately if you accidentally put them somewhere dangerous you, yeah. don't, you can't just drop the mortar and use that to immediately <laughs> break the I'm sure there's probably a mission based around that right yeah probably and then, yeah, the rest of it is fairly similar. Lots of new weird perks for your soldiers. Yeah, well, I love that system. <laughs> That's just the, like the the craziness of that system from Valkyria's One was like probably the most interesting part. Like, oh, if I've got these two characters together, they'll have a synergy ability that's that's super awesome. Or this character has a really bizarre trait that they don't like sand and something <laughs> I didn't realise that until I brought them into this level and then their allergies flared up and yeah. it's like oh god well that's the ones that are <laughs> it's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere it's the ones that are <laughs> exactly. awkward and there seems to be a lot more of that which is maybe kind of difficult to deal with like now it seems like they're making it so everyone has a distinct flaw rather than Valkyrie Chronicles 1 where there were some people that were just good <laughs> yeah go on vise Hero of Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> but yeah, now that now it seems like everyone has a flaw. And sometimes they're like, it's a sort of old, it's not exactly an XCOM problem, except it, in XCOM it's a problem of percentages, where it's like you miss a, miss a 90% shot and it sucks. Yeah. Whereas in in this one, it's like, you. why would you ever take a soldier who sometimes just doesn't fire? Yeah. So like, that's such an incredibly and it's mm. in a tactics game you need them to do what you told them to because what if they're the only person who can do it <laughs> so why would you ever bring that soldier into the battle yeah, unless their other perks are that much stronger to balance it out or if they're a story character which would be highly frustrating well normally they don't go that ridiculous on the story characters 
They generally are slightly you know, nicer about the perks and debuffs than Except the wasn't, characters have. Uh, wasn't main lady from the first game like the best scout, though? I don't know if she was the best scout. There, she there was, was pretty good. I know Ica might have been the best Ica scout. Ica was also actually. pretty good. Yeah, because she, yes. she had such a long run range. Well, I mean, <laughs> scouts have such a long run range, it's almost irrelevant how much extra they have. I guess. Yeah. Bonuses. <laughs> But yeah, it's. I'm kind of, I'm okay with this. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> It'd be uh, nice if they'd done any uh, work on the UI at all. <laughs> I, I, if they just smoothed out some of the awkwardness, it would have been that much better. But you know, I guess it's still functional. I, I will dip into this demo at some point. I have to because I truly, although I wasn't ultra great at it, and although I wasn't hardcore enough to go and replay too much of it once I'd done the main story. Hmm. Like, I did some of the aside skirmish stuff, but there was plenty of those I didn't finish. Um, I really, truly love Valkyria Chronicles 1. Yeah. I think it's a masterpiece. But it's just... Yeah. I, so, so far, I'm not hearing anything that's too dissuading. I'm not sure I like the idea of the Mortar character, but maybe it's enough to twist things around. And Maybe. Yeah, it, sounds, it just sounds a bit... Sounds a bit too powerful. <laughs> a bit too... I think my, my one problem with it has been, assuming that this demo is the start of the game, which it appears to be. Right, okay. Yeah, like probably M- Mission 2 or 3, like as some demos sometimes are. Maybe. Like, yeah. then, well, no, you do kind of do a tutorial mission, which, I mean, that could be a special tutorial mission for the demo, but right. I don't know. It seems like kind of the start of the game, but it, from what... I've seen so far of the characters, the motivation seems like real low. Because compared to the first game, it's like, you know, you're literally defending your homeland and your town gets blown up immediately and all that yeah. stuff. This one, it's like, that's all happening somewhere else. And you're just like a generic squad in the army of the Federation. And there doesn't seem to be any like, why is this guy going to be the hero? <laughs> I mean, there's a big question like, in terms of how the actual Valkyria storyline will work anyway, right? True. Isn't it... Where the Valkyria is going to come in. Yeah, because isn't it in the first game that tall evil lady yeah is like su- supposedly the last or is thought to be the last yeah of the Valkyria so is she going to be in this fight or are they going to have to somehow introduce other people that were for some reason never reported back to the main fight well I mean she know? could turn up that would be not too difficult but, the, but then she wouldn't be taken down by you she'd be no, like she'd taken be a, down by the other team yeah a one off thing that I, I mean they might they might not need to do that Right. Unless there's a dramatic skip ahead in time somewhere, like it actually overlaps the other storyline. Well, because and... really the whole point of the Valkyria thing in, in one was that like you, she basically turns up to reveal her powers in that one. It's, it's like because, halfway through the game. Yeah. It's because the fucking castle in Gallia is the Valkyria thing, right? right That's yeah. why the Valkyria has to go there. Mm. And then she has to go there, and then therefore you find that you have a Valkyria on your side conveniently. Spoilers, I guess, for oh, that game. Who doesn't know that they are one? Yeah. But then, so that makes sense. So maybe you just won't need that in this story, but it will be kind of weird for the game to be called Valkyria Chronicles and not including any in. Valkyria stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be too upset if they didn't do that, but I want some anime bonkersness. You <laughs> oh, know what yeah. I mean? I want, I, want, I, want it, I want it to go a little bit crazy. Well, I mean, I'm sure they could come up with some dumb new super weapon. I mean, they already had those goddamn giant <laughs> behemoth tank things. Oh man, yeah, that was that was insane. Those things suck. Yeah, <laughs> to fight against. <laughs> it was not a, that. That mission was 
it, well, all of those missions actually that involved that thing yeah. were they were frustrating. Valkyria Chronicles One has the problem where you might get screwed the first time you do a mission yeah. just because of something you didn't know was going to happen. It's got the halfway trigger yeah. where something changes. Here, here's a, the here's classic a change problem. in circumstance, and it's like, oh, I'm really messed up now because I'm all out of position for this next phase. On the plus side, in the demo four, the one time that did happen, it just repositioned all your units. Oh, that's it's just like we're just going to put all your people now into this base, and then you go from there. <laughs> oh, maybe they've heard that. Oh, yeah, because there was some. I think I've seen some stuff of that. Oh, maybe it was one of the other Valkyria games, but yeah, like like I think it might have been like two or three or something, where some of the levels were actually on smaller areas that you then once you like got an out defeated the outpost in that area, the whole fight moved to a new area mm. as part of the same mission, rather than having big maps. Like presumably to get around a PSP limitation or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And it's uh, but it was in the, like the times it happened in this, it was the same map where it was just like. But they've just conveniently shoved you. You've just shuffled all your units over here now. I think that's a sensible option for that. I guess. I mean, it's it like, remains to be seen whether that's that's just how it works or that's just how it was in these couple of missions. Yeah, <laughs> there could still be awkward mid-game flip flips. I mean, I think they could do like if. The game had a better, like, Valkyria 1 had the problem where it's like these changes were immediate. Yeah. When you hit the certain condition, it's like the change would be in effect, and then the next turn you would either be screwed by it or you'd be in position for it. It's like if there was a way that, if, like, all it would take would be like a couple of turns of telegraphing, right? And be like, right, this is happening right, happening next. Get yourself sorted before it comes and screws you up. Mm, kinda. It's like, hey, the tank's coming. But it can't do anything for a couple of turns, like, and you can't do anything to it because it's just coming into the battlefield. <laughs> for instance, you know, something like that. Maybe. I mean, that would solve the problem in most cases, unless like where you need to get to is somewhere you haven't dealt with in the in the lead up to that. I mean, the problem that 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 doesn't solve is when you don't have the right soldiers for the situation. Sure. Which yeah. is fairly rare. And there's still the option for like redeploying people out of the bases if you're yeah, in that yeah. bad a situation, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It seems like that may have been fixed, kind of, maybe. I mean, that was only frustrating in the longer levels. Well, that, yeah. that mechanic. <laughs> and, and the inability for you to like save mid-mission and go, okay, let me go back to where I caught that up. Mm. Like, if it checkpointed, potentially... Like at useful checkpoints, but then I guess if it did checkpoint, it would checkpoint immediately after when you <laughs> triggered the thing. Well, and maybe like one turn beforehand wouldn't be enough, so you'd still have to pretty much restart the mission. Maybe if yeah. you got that in that bad a position. And also, you don't want it to be too generous. So you can't just game it mm. and save scum it. Or... <laughs> Not that there's a lot, a lot of things that you can game in in those games. <laughs> Game of the game. There's a lot of weird mechanics of that series where you can just exploit it quite a lot. Mm. Shooting people in the butt because they can't see you. Shoot them in the butt. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Yeah, shot. Is that out or is it just no? It's just, just to put just the demo early. Okay. I can't remember what the release date said. I think it's like a couple of months. Right, but that's across all platforms, isn't it? Not just Switch. I haven't seen it on PC yet. And that's the one I'm wondering about. That has to come out on PC. You'd think so after the success of the last, when they re-released That's the whole reason they're making this, right? (laughs) Well, maybe. Because of that re-release? I don't know. The the other three games probably still were 
popular in some circles. I mean, they were popular in Japan. I guess. Those two and three did okay in Japan, I think, but... Back here. Yeah. We'll Potential hype. I'll, I'll check out that demo for sure. Yes. Anything else? No, that's it. I think it's More your turn, Rob. Oh, let's just... There's not a great deal <laughs> else to talk about. about. Yeah, I, I, I can only really deep dive into Final Fantasy XV this week because yeah. it's been... I have been... I've sunk another, like, what, what, I'm up to, like, 21 hours or something on the game clock in that. So it's, I've sunk quite a lot of time into it since I started it last time. And it's... I'm, I'm sort of drawn in. Like, I'm finding it hard to put it down. It's like, once I've started playing it, it's like, there you go, I mean, all right, I'm in for the long haul. It's one of those. But I don't think it's really blowing me away at any sort of moment. Like, I, like I, I'm... It's it's relaxing me in the same way that I think most relaxing, like, open-world games do. And <laughs> that... Like, you know, that Assassin's Creed thing where it's like, I'm just going to go over here, do a thing, nice and casual. Then I'm going to go over here, go do a thing. No biggie. Just checking off things to do. And it's like, I'm... Uh, the problem is, is like I guess there's quite a lot of that. And um, so I got past the first area lead, and then it opens up into a much bigger area. Um, and there's... Uh, uh, and a much prettier looking area, it has to be said. Suddenly, some of the Final Fantasy scene this becomes a bit of a thing because you've got weird, giant, uh, like mile long rock arches, um, uh, around, so like surrounding a meteor crash site, as it turns out. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's suddenly some of the fantasy stuff is starting to become a little more present, other than. But I think this is where, like, actually, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. It's like, for a Final Fantasy game, this might be the least fantasy that there's ever been in the series. Oh, really? As in, it's it's almost too grounded in just modern day. Like, all of your party have smartphones, right? That's that's, that's a thing that exists, and they, they settle down to play a game of King's Knight, which is some fictional game that you can't play. Um every now and then and so they're making jokes about it and then you know selfie is a word in this universe <laughs> and oh. uh, and the hashtag as it turns out is a thing in this universe damn it uh, and it's like yeah I mean, and it's like when I'm hearing things like that because oh, this is one of those barks that repeats far too often like if you're viewing a picture that Prompto's taken and it's a selfie like Noctis will say half your pictures are selfies man and he goes hashtag sorry not sorry and it's like, and you hear that like every other time you view a selfie picture, <laughs> and it's like, oh god, you need to shut up. Not only have you got the hashtag in here, but it's a, like a super repetitive bark. Like, pl- please shut up. I can't. I, like, I'm going to do an Apu impression. It's like I can't believe you don't shut up. It's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Fair. It's uh, it's, like, it, but you know, it's just everything about the world. Really, when you think about it, it's like, like, it's just like, okay, there's cars. There's, it's not the first time they've been in Final Fantasy. Cars are cars. And, but they look more normal, I guess, than cars, normal than, than cars in Final Fantasy usually do. They, they seem to be modeled in like on the fifties aesthetic for the most part, but they look like cars. Um, and there's like barrels in places and like gas stations look like gas stations. And it's, Where's the crazy ass architecture? Like this, ta- this town looks like it's probably in Mexico. <laughs> you know, things like that. It's all just 
It's too real, man. It's too real. Uh, I like. I guess as a reference point, like think of like Final Fantasy VIII, right? It was modern-ish, but still had a, like a significant twist on how everything looked. Like the cars were odd. You had these. The, the gardens <laughs> are odd. The the town design is is strange in many ways. Like it's like they've taken Tudor architecture and twisted it some way, or they've taken some other theme and twisted it in some way. Like I'm missing the twist here. And it's taking me out of it a little bit. I want that to be there. Because while I'm out there fighting, like I saw a cactua, for instance, and I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't fit in this world at all. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, to be honest, cactuas never really fit in any of those worlds <laughs> that well. I guess not, but yeah. <laughs> Apart from maybe seven. They were all right in seven. This, I mean, I think I mean, there's something to be said when a chocobo seems normal, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a chocobo should be, like, I mean, they're still kind of awesome, but they're, there's nothing particularly just sort of like stand out about a chocobo here. It's just like, uh, yeah, like I believe that. There's frogs, there's normal ass frogs. <laughs> There's been all those frogs before. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good toad. There's a shit ton in nine. Yeah. All those goddamn frogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the world... Non-stop frogs. I imagine that's where the inspiration for the frog collecting quests comes from. <laughs> Probably. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's something missing. Um, and it's like... Uh, the. And I think I've, like it's a very similar feeling, I think, to when I was playing Final Fantasy XIII. Um, uh, even in the combat, and if you like, look at it on that level, because it's like, in theory, everything is there in some capacity in Final Fantasy XIII's combat. You've got your attacks, you've got your magics, you've got your buffs, you've got your things like that, but the control is taken away from you in thirteen, so that, yeah. that you've only got those paradigms. It's not like you're and it's, choosing to do lightning free. I mean, you vaguely can. Yeah, kind of. But, but it takes really. so much time that it's not worth it. And it's like, uh, in this one, you do have magic, but magic is a very... There's a pretty scarce resource. You have to craft magic into, like... And, and you, you you use it uh, like so. I've, I've made nine fundaras, for instance, and it's. Uh, but the magic is actually that I can cast seems somewhat limited. Like you have to make make them out of a blend of the three elements and a catalyst of some kind, which might might add. Oh, this is a dual cast fira or fira, however you want to say it. Uh, this one might have a side effect of potentially causing poison as well as being a fire attack and things like that. Like the, like the amount of magic you can cast has been dramatically reduced, but all the status effects in the world seem to exist. Like confusion is still a thing, and it, but it reverses your controls now. Uh, poison is obviously still a thing. Apparently toad is still a thing. Um, I'm quite thankful. I've never seen silence or darkness yet. If those exist. Um, so like, it feels like the component parts are there, but they're sort of not yours anymore. Like they're just sort of something that can happen rather than something you intend, and I don't know if that's. Well, I think that's like that was why Bravely Default succeeded in its battle system was like once you realised that it, that battle system was basically almost entirely based on status effects at mm. a certain point. That became the game. You were like fighting those combos yeah. of certain status effects and weird ways to exploit it. 
Whereas, like, when... It, and even back to, like, 13 and stuff, once they went into this partially automated system, it's like, what choices are you actually making? What are the tactics? Whereas, so, like, general, general tactics so when yeah, you're selecting like, a setup. So, like, 13 basically devolved into, okay, I know... Uh, so like the first fight against the, 13 had a weird system where the first fight against an enemy like the, the first time you saw an enemy like you'd have no knowledge of it yeah and so basically your first few attacks or your first uses of paradigms for instance your characters would be throwing stuff randomly at it to see what sticks yeah but then the moment something sticks those characters then know how to fight that enemy so uh, and it's this is all automatic so then so the next time you say shift to uh, the next time you go against an enemy, okay, as long as I as a player know that buffs and that, that debuffs are super effective against this enemy, it's like I'm going to switch to the paradigm, so I've got a character with debuffs in flow. That character then knows to throw the correct debuffs, the effective debuffs against that one. I don't have to really do anything. I just have to say debuff that, please. Yeah. And as a player, that's all I need to know. Everything else has been figured out by the characters, by, hmm. by the game. The game is somewhat playing, playing itself. itself right yeah yeah um and the, in fairness to it they've stepped away from that the combat in the ff15 is much more action focused it's about posi- being in position it's about trying to get behind enemies hitting them from behind it's also like some of the coolest stuff is about trying to get trying to land an attack from behind whilst one of your friends is also in the vicinity because that, that then links up the attack and you do a lot more damage and you get a cool animation for doing it oh, um uh, and things like that. So it's the combat is all about that now. Um, but, but that's not, but but that's not, not ne- Final Fantasy things. Yeah, that's not Final Fantasy. <laughs> it's not nearly as. It's, it, I mean, it's it's interesting and it's unique in its own weird way because you're like I'm holding button. I'm like I'm not mashing buttons. I'm like holding B to start an attack <laughs> chain, and then I'm lifting it to come out, and then I need to press X. If I'm holding X, I'm in defensive phasing stance, which costs my magic points to dodge attacks. Um, and then I might have to press it at the right time to parry attacks, which is highly telegraphed by a big old button prompt on screen. Um, and uh, and it's just it's it's an interesting, but not necessarily satisfying experience. Like it's I don't, and I think the whole game, as it turns out, the more I'm playing it, the more it kind of ends up feeling like that. It ends up feeling just that little bit lacking in soul. Like, the world is big, but there's not a huge amount to do in it other than go to place, kill thing, or go to place, find thing, or fish. It's, uh... The, the, some of it's, I guess, like, road trip aesthetic is starting to wear thin. But here's the, the thing. It's like, I might be, like, jumping the gun too soon on this feeling, because I'm 20 hours in, which is quite a lot of time, and I'm still only on chapter 3! Mm. I've had, like, no story. It was the classic Final Fantasy XIII problem, where it's like, that only started getting interesting after 20 hours. Well, yeah, then you hit uh, Pulse, yeah. and you get the different game turns up. But then the story stops there as well. Well, it was a different story problem. Yeah. The, st- the, the storyline didn't involve Pulse, like, really. All that stuff there was, like... Just stuff. Yeah, it was stuff to do, and it was different stuff to do, so it suddenly became interesting. But it's like, this is not story relevant. Um... Yeah, 15 kind of has the problem where most of it is that, actually. Most of it is like Pulse. They've like, they've like heard the advice. It's like, oh, this is where it got good. And they've tried to make a whole game around it. 
See, I, I got to the point where I don't know if I'm just supposed to be doing more of the story and the volume of side quests are just there to because they are there and there's a lot of them. But then it's like, okay, I think my next main mission is like a level 10, maybe 15 mission or something like that. I'm now level 30 <laughs> because I'm doing a lot of side quests and things like that. And it's like, but all the side quests in the area that you find are all appropriate for that level that I'm at now or a little bit lower because I'm quite overleveled. But like so all the side quest stuff like seems to be ramping up way for the area seems to be ramping up way faster than the story stuff for the area. So I'm not sure if I'm just supposed to be mainlining the story. Like just follow the level things and go like okay, what's the lowest level requirement? Let's go do that first. Mm. Rather than doing what's nearby, which is what I'm doing. <laughs> like oh, this thing's not that far away or I can easily fast travel to that location to do that. Let's just do that. This is a typical Rob review in that, you know, I'm being, it sounds like I'm being quite harsh on the thing. Hmm, but you're actually I'm, enjoying it most of the time. Um, uh, yeah, I'm having a good time with it. It's, it's like, a, as I said, it's, it's kind, it may be kind of a nothing, but it's a nothing I just sink into and I'm swept up in it and I'm part of it. And it's like, I wish things were better. I wish the camera was better during fights, for instance. Good God, that thing has issues. Um, but overall, I'm kind of I'm just permanent, and I am still in a state of intrigue. It's like it's like this is unlike. It's like yeah, just the, the component parts are just unlike things that have come before. In any game, really, I can't think of anything that has like a a fight system that works that way. I can't think of anything that has the same road trip mechanic that this does. Where I'm not traversing the landscape myself most of the time. I'm sat in a car listening to Final Fantasy music from other games. Of which the Dissidia soundtrack is there as well. And apparently there are some tracks from Nier in there as well, which is cool. <laughs> it's a strange thing. But I'm in, not going to stop playing it. <laughs> no. Strange in a different way from very mixed ways of other I mean yeah it's, it's, it's mixed in almost like I can just keep going with this it's like it's mixed in almost every element like the more like it, it's a great looking game at times um, some of the environments really do look great some of the like monster design looks pretty great in places it's like there's mm. these furry sort of wildebeest pig horned things that have like sheep's fur and it's like that sheep's fur looks real good nice you know, and it sort of sways a bit and it animates well and it's like yeah there's, there's stuff like that that's just you go yeah alright let's go see where the effort went here mm. <laughs> the car looked good <laughs> you know that car is nice um, uh, but then you get the odd sort of like awkward bit of like oh here's an NPC I'm talking to and none of the lip syncing is matching up and Noctis is standing there really awkwardly swaying from side to side permanently like he doesn't stand still he's just like oh, i'm gonna step to one side now i'm gonna step to the other side fidgety it's, guy <laughs> yeah it's and the 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 like like a lot of the dialogue is pretty great but like all the barks repeat far too often and uh yeah like you're saying yeah yeah the naturalistic tone to some of it is pretty great some of it doesn't work like there's almost an it's an honor moment like in one of the things it's like you know, uh, Ignis will sometimes like if it's too late to, for you to be driving on the roads because they get super dangerous and, de- and demon filled um, 
or there's the potential for demons. Uh, but you know, he goes like, um, uh, I think he says like, 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 oh, the the roads are perilous at night. We should uh, we should call it a day. And you go, and uh, oh, what, what do you say? It's something like like yeah, let's get some rest. And he's like, well, let's call it a night then. <laughs> and it's like you just called it a day, so let's call it a night. Like little weird weird rep- rep- weird repeats in the dialogue. So like sometimes I like, go, that's that's a bit weird. No one would have said that so many times. And all the characters are almost too like up building with each other. Like they always agree with each other all the time. It's like, oh, right, weather's really no nice. Kind of tension between, right? Yeah, like weather's really nice. Yeah, it's getting a bit chilly. Yeah, I'm getting a bit tired. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I'm I'm really hungry. We're still alive though. <laughs> <laughs> Look on the bright side. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sometimes wow, really strange. Lining. <laughs> I know they're supposed to be good mates and all that, but a little bit more, uh, yeah, Banters. a little bit more ribbing is required. A little bit more bants, <laughs> top bants. Well, yeah, I'd, yeah, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. Glad it exists, as with all Final Fantasies, but. Where's the good stuff? Get, show me, where's, where's the top tier stuff? <laughs> I mean, I'm supposed to know what who all the characters are as well. The game presents it like I know who these people are. Which oh, maybe I should have like, gone and watched Kingsglaive. Or, yeah, maybe you should have watched the anime. The anime, yeah. <laughs> There's an anime and a film that, are, that predate the storyline of this game. And it's like, who's Iris? Who, who I mean, it's cool in a way because it's like the characters know these characters, right? But there's no real explanation of anyone's backstory ever. So it's like, how am I? How do I? How do I know who this person is? Why should I care about this kid called Talkit? Talkit. Talkit. <laughs> Why in a universe of people called Sid, Cindy, Ignis, Prompto, Gladio, Noctis, Talkit, Iris? So, Cole? Cole? Cole, that's his name. Is there a guy just called Dave? <laughs> well, Sid isn't that different from Dave. Sid with a C. Yeah, but you don't know that from pronunciation. <laughs> I'm playing with the subtitles, so I do. <laughs> yes. And you also know it's that because it's a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know it from pronunciation. Dave. <laughs> I mean, it was you know, it was the fr- it was the unimportant NPCs that used to have generic names, like Final Fantasy VII, the other members of Avalanche. I suppose the names in s- some of the names in Seven, at least, were slightly more normal. Just I guess wait, waiting for Biggs and Wedge. Yeah, Biggs and Wedge, of course, and Marlin, Marlin, Marlene, Marlin. That's somewhat normal, maybe. It's even Barrett's the little law. <laughs> no one is a surname, but <laughs> Holland and Barrett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a giant machine gun arm. <laughs> I make those adverts way more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Rather than Alan Davies trying to go be healthy. Live better. 
buy protein or whatever the Holland and Barrett actually sell. <laughs> Get some nuts. Not quite. <laughs> they have Barrett turn up and just say, "Get some nuts," like Mr. T. T's nuts. Like Barrett's supposed to be Mr. T, right? Basically, get some nuts. I think that's pretty much all I've got to talk about. Splatfest happened, but you know, Splatfest is Splatfest. Mm. Still playing Octo from time to time, but you know, not really a great deal to add to what I've said before. Cool. Uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing. Like, I'm pretty sure at this rate, 15 is probably going to be a hundred-hour game. So <laughs> strap in, boys. There's more. There's more of this. Blimey. Okay, fair. Well, uh, I got God of War finally. Oh, really? Yeah. But then after like one play session, my amplifier conked out. Oh after, no! After 20 plus years of loyal yeah. service. Yeah. That thing. That thing is. That thing has done work. <laughs> that thing has done serious work. So today, so all all week I haven't had like sound from my computer. So today I went on emergency get something to replace it. Um mission. You just uh, nick your sound bar from the other room and uh... can't really. I mean that thing is huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just wrap really it work. around the back of your entire desk. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about the amplifier a bit. So I I, I bought one today for like three hundred quid, um, mm. which is not uh, not you know considering I needed to replace something. It's not like super cheap or anything. But Maybe like, or stereo. Just stereo. I just needed okay. the most basic thing that had sounded as good as possible. Um, because I already <laughs> the have the most basic thing that sounds as good as possible. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, I don't. I need... that really exists in the auto file world. It's like... that's the problem. Is like, I don't need features because like I already have this expensive DAC. So I've got like the I've got channel switching. I've even got volume, and I've got digital to audio conversion. So all I need is amplification. Yeah. Um, which is what the Pat Ramp did for all those years really well. And I've got this thing, and I thought, well, I might as well get an integrated amplifier so it at least has a volume control because it is a bit weird <laughs> not having mm. that. But anyway, um, yeah, plugged it in, and yeah, I mean, it'll do for now, but it sounds pants <laughs> in comparison. It's amazing Does the it difference really? it makes. For 300, well, 300 quid, it like, just is it sounds... just not a good pairing with your speakers? Because that's a thing, right? Uh, that is a thing, but you can tell, like... It's it just sounds dead. It sounds fine, but it sounds dead. And <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of dead, did you see that um, the chicken connoisseur? Has, yeah, has a TV has a TV show. No, I didn't. But it, it, in the it's chicken peng chi- life, peng life. Oh, I'm gonna have to yeah. check that out because this is it's, this fire. Sadly, is not paying. It is in fact dead. <laughs> dead mate. Dead man. But it'll do for now. So, but, you, so um, you've just paid bags for something that's dead. Well, basically, I paid quite a bit for a downgrade, but I mean, never mind. I, I mean, I, I knew at, at least I didn't. It could have been worse. Like I could have spent a lot more, and it still wouldn't have been as good, which would really have been upsetting. Pee. So I need to figure out what to do. I think so. I think this will do as a stopgap, and then I'll, I'll work something out. Technically, I have more of. Uh, I inherited all of the my dad's old hi-fi stuff, so I just need to contact. I can contact um, um, my stepmum and see if I can get one of them down from. Manchester. What did, you, what, what did you have before? So these are these. Um, so it was like a cast off, basically. So um, my dad had these um, Lin Hi-Fi system. So right, the, yeah. His full system was like we had like a CD player, and then um, he, he had a preamp and two power amps. 
I think, or okay. maybe three. This, uh, sounds a bit much. <laughs> no, he must have had three. No, that, that he must have had three power amps. Is that right? Anyway, I, yeah. I but, so I'm trying to remember. Anyway, I think if that's right, then he had a preamp and then a power amp for each, um, um, you know, frequency range because the speakers had tweeters. You know the normal whatever. Oh in the wow! Middle, were they, were they, they individually fed? Yeah, so they were individually fed by each. Wow! So each stage was powered by its own power amp. Mm. I believe that's right, but I can't imagine the tweeter would need as much power as the woofer. But maybe I think that's just for the detail. Like the whole point of the power is not necessarily volume. It's about like how much control you have of the. You know, the speaker cone, because the yeah, more yes. voltage you have, the more precise you can be in moving it, basically. Mm. Um, so he magnets. must have, yeah, magnets, basically. So that, yeah, so he must have had three power amps. Anyway, so because uh, originally he had one preamp and one power amp um, powering both the, all of the ranges and then he upgraded and got three power amps i think and and they were the newer models so i got the old power amp that's what i've been using for years is the old one power amp that he used so i think technically i must have three backup power amps somewhere (laughs) um which i can go and go and get and they'll be slightly better as well because they were the later model it actually had a pattern like the 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 new ones that he got in whenever it was 2001 or something they actually had like a standby mode wow whereas the one i've been using you have to like switch it on and off with a giant switch every time in fairness Uh, yeah like so my stereo amp that i use in my office is a I love that thing. It's a, like it's it's not a very expensive one, but it's like a Marantz. Oh yeah, that's um, a really good make. Yeah, I, I, was know, I, I at those. love that yeah. thing. Can make any speaker sound good because I'm yeah. running that. I'm running that thing on like terrible, yeah, Yamaha speakers yeah. that are like the castoffs from the 5.1 system. Yep, that you have. Yeah, um, that I have. So I've still got the center speaker from that, and I've still got the subwoofer from that attached to my main ones. But like I've replaced all the satellites. And I'm just using the satellites in my office because they're the only other speakers I have. Yeah. But, but this thing is able to make them sound pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, impressive. Given, given their limitations. And it's like, uh, like so I love this thing. But yeah. Uh, uh, but in the same breath, it's like, I know this thing isn't top spec. Like, I know no. this thing isn't all that expensive. And it's like, a, like um, uh, but, you know, when you to have you coming from a, like a Lin kit, like... Yeah, that's that's going to be hard to beat, man. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> tough because I thought, well, the speakers that I have, the Lin, my Lin power amp that's just broken, plugged into, they're just these Bose, they're the decent acoustic mass or whatever system, but it's not exactly high hi-fi like my dad's whole system was with the floor standing speakers with the vibration mounts mm. and the three different. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I'm like, I probably had a, a power amp that was way too good for the rest of the kit, um, but. Um, plugging in this not so good one and you instantly hear the difference well I do anyway and it's like oh god damn it anyway so you're still using those um, Bose satellites yeah it's the same yeah yeah they're they're good still oh they're good yeah but they're not like but yeah yeah, so I've still got those, and I've still got the good DAC, but it's like the key component is the amplifier. So, mm. um, yeah, I need to see if I can figure out. Uh, so, unfortunately, I'll spend the 300 quid on something that probably is just a stopgap, but never mind. What did uh, you replace it with? Oh, I got a... Let me see. It's like... It's NAD. 
Oh right, okay. I have, I, I, I've heard of them. I don't know a great deal about them. But. Yeah, I just, um, I just needed something now because otherwise I just have no sound from my computer, which is a bit. I can't really. Yeah, which I can't. It's something you can trade in because it's like you know, for the first sort of desk audio, I'm, I've always been a bit of a fan of like little Cambridge audio amps. Oh yeah, I used stuff. to. I used to. No, the thing is, I had, I had the same situation before, um, where, um, uh, back in literally in Cambridge, um, where. I didn't have that LK100 and um, I needed one and I got a Cambridge Audio one and I didn't like it, but I, I think really it's the forget. same reason because yeah. I'm sure it's perfectly good for the price range, but it's just not even close to that, that Lin uh, one. Yeah, I so, think, like, the, yeah. I, from what I remember, like, I haven't listened to a Cambridge Audio thing for a long time, but mm. uh, and they, they, I, I think even for, you know, for I'm trying to think what the word I'm looking for is they weren't that warm. No, you know I mean there was no, there was a certain exactly. warmth missing from it. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it almost created like a maybe like a like a digital feeling mm. sample, even if it wasn't a, from a digital source. Source, you know? yeah, yeah. I know. It's like they're, yeah. they're, they're still pretty good, and they're like they're like they, they, for the for the price, you're getting pretty good amp for sure. And for most people, that's going to be far more than enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but like it wasn't. It didn't have the magic trick that my Morantz had, you know. No, it's like I don't know how it. that I don't know how a good amp does what it does. How, like, how can it make a speaker like any crappy speaker sound great? It's, it's amazing like, how important it is. You'd think, like, yeah. for, as a layman, it would be more important that to the have a speaker, speaker would be more important. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so it's a bit weird. But anyway, so yeah, that's the situation. So I haven't played that mm. much God of War, but I could tell you about what I have played. Um, Do so. Yeah, I mean, it looks really good. I, I don't, I'm not as wowed by it as visually as, as I had been by Uncharted and the variety in that. But okay, I think it's, I think it's growing on me. I've, obviously, I've got the PS4 Pro, so I've got, it's looking pretty nice. Um, uh, I, I mean, which mode you, is it one of those games that lets you pick a mode? Or is yeah, it I think it does. I can't remember which one I went for. I think I went for, um, I think I went for, you know, locked 30 um, and full that. detail. Yeah. Up, up, yeah. Up the quality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's quite actually quite a slow, uh, it, you know, it, it's not like the old games or like, uh, what's that genre called? You know, Bayonetta and Dove May Cry and all that. Like, well, it's sort of action. character action, isn't it? Character action. Yeah. So I guess the old God of Wars were sort of character action, right? Uh, oh, but, very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So this is, but it's, slowed down it's a bit like going from half-life to half-life 2 you know um it's it's closer to a batman so it's kind of interesting um the combat is the most interesting part i mean obviously that's the meat of the game i suppose but well not i mean the story is interesting too but i've only just got into it so i don't really know how good it is yet but i mean the performances seem really good so far um but um yeah the combat it's like it's like the speed of a Batman, maybe like Arkham Asylum, but with the complexity of uh, like a character action, mm. um, or like moving towards. And I'm not so used to that. I did play Bayonetta a while, a while back, but it's actually quite complex. There, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Batman can be quite fast, and like Batman does have its complexities, right, with the other moves you can do. It does, but I felt more comfortable. I got really good at Batman Arkham Asylum combat, and like the later ones had a few more tricks, but not that much. Whereas this, this, I'm getting a bit lost. Like I'm really having to concentrate to try and learn to do the basics um, mm. before, because then when you get as you get experience, you can unlock more moves and stuff. Yeah. And there's a massive tree of moves, but I'm really having to like concentrate to learn the, the the basics because it's like 
You've got a heavy and light attack uh, with the axe because you have an axe now instead of your the previous God of War. You had like the chains, sword, yeah, sword, sword things, sword things and, yeah. And, yeah. But now you have an axe, or is it an axe? Yeah, it's an axe, which is like oh, yeah. which is like Mjolnir in that it comes back to your hand or whatever. So so you have heavy and light attack, and you use there's the usual light light heavy combo and all that light 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 combo heavy heavy combo, and you can do like heavy, um, um chucks them up into the air and then light 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 to juggle, which is kind of nice. cool. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of cool stuff, and then but then you can throw the axe like heavy and light throws but then it doesn't just come back automatically you have to hit a button to make it come back so then you've kind of switched if you throw the axe and leave it you're then in a different mode where you then have light and heavy attacks with your fists which are different Uh, and have different effects and some enemies are vulnerable to one or the other yeah yeah it's like a stagger effect isn't it rather than an actual damage exactly so that one builds up more it does do damage but it builds up more stagger meter or like whatever on the enemies like more um yeah i think it is stagger yeah and then once they're fully staggered you can often you can do like a doom style then they rip their head off type animation move oh where right where you're that's, invulnerable that's yeah the bit of me is... thought that was just going to put them in like a, a staggered state and that just means right okay now is when i get my axe and then now i start doing some damage i didn't realize that was like a glory kill <laughs> yeah you can do like a finishing move with the stagger stuff which is kind of huh. cool uh and but then of course and if you recall the axe as it flies through people it actually hurts them on the return which is kind of nice cool. um so that's that but then um dodging and and then you have the shield which you can hold up but you can also like parry by bringing it up just the moment that they're going to hit so that's like the counter because that staggers them it's not a counter attack you have to follow up with an attack sure you know but you that's the counter but then the dodge um i i'm 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 having trouble deciding whether to i think i have to learn based on the enemies but whether to parry or whether to dodge because right. the dodge, yeah, that makes sense. It'd probably be an enemy-specific thing. Yeah, quite a lot of them are, and I'm because I um, there's so much to do. Like I don't know if it's countering or dodging, and the dodge is inter- is very interesting. When I started the game, I was very frustrated with the dodge because it seemed like I wasn't moving very. It, you barely move, like it's like a sidestep. Um, and uh, and then if you kind of double tap, you do a roll. But at the, fir- at the start of the game, I was like rolling, rolling, rolling constantly, trying to get out of the way of enemies and failing to do so. And I wasn't, I was doing it completely wrong. So the dodge, the, the window between the first tap while you're doing the sidestep is actually quite a big window before you can tap again, before you can do it straight away, but you have a bit of, of window before you can decide to roll or not. Hmm. So you can kind, you can even, you can even sidestep in one direction and then roll in the other direction which is kind of interesting. You have enough time to do that. And the the kind of the key part, which is the thing that I'm not used to from like character action, I suppose, is that when you sidestep, you're actually invulnerable for a couple of frames. Oh, interesting. So it doesn't actually matter that I don't you visually look like you've actually got out the way of the attack necessarily. You you absolutely have. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you press it with the right timing, you it's, it's a fully effective dodge which is the thing that I had to learn because it just looks like I'm right. yeah, still in the middle of it. That comes across as a bit of a negative in that like, yeah, if something doesn't necessarily look and feel how it's actually mechanically playing. Yeah, that's true. But that's, yeah. 
but the more I'm looking at it, it's because my feeling has been like I need to get out of the way. But when I actually look at the animation, it's not like the enemy attack is actually clipping through me. It does actually look like I've dodged it, but it looks like I've done it in a kind of cool boxer way like where it, I've yeah, only just close, sidestepped close, it. Close to the face, like the blade is, is yeah. giving me a shave. Exactly. So that's kind of cool. And I'm sort of, mm. but I'm, I'm still, there's a lot there. And then, of course, you then layer on all the stuff that you get as upgrades and stuff like already i've got some kind of thing where i hold up my shield and then hit something and it does some kind of knocking the area of effect staggering of enemies around me and stuff and they like already like it, there's quite a lot to it like when do you use that compared to just the regular stuff you mean or... exactly or i just forget about it it's some skill that yeah, i unlocked sure. and yeah. it's like because i'm trying to concentrate on shit uh, and uh, quite a lot of the quite a lot i i i i haven't realized that i threw my axe and i haven't got it like i it's not like the screen changes <laughs> color i don't right. I, sometimes i forget what mode i'm in and it's like oh yeah i haven't got why am i aren't i doing much damage oh yeah the axe is over there stuff like that fists, yeah. yeah um so i'm re- i think it's one of those things that's going to be super rewarding once you get you know into yeah. it but i'm i'm kind of struggling at the start of the game and it's a bit frustrating but I, I think i'm starting to get the hang of it but it's like the combat is not it's not it doesn't really go that easy on you at the start necessarily i don't i don't think maybe i'm just shit <laughs> but uh <laughs> I, but it is kind of cool when you get through i mean your health your health isn't actually that high um but you get lots of health pickups like so it, often you're like nearly dead by the end of a fight, but then you'll go straight back up to full health because you just pick up a few of the. Just, you just found something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a bit yo-yo-y like that um, with the with the health. So you can easily that's, die. That's, not, that's definitely gonna have like a like a hangover from um, character action in general. Yeah, like most character action games are like survive this encounter, you'll be fine afterwards. Trust exactly, us. exactly, and and that's actually quite good. Like. Uh, uh, there's, there's been a few times where the save point was a tiny bit back, so I had to do a little bit defer, traversal before I could get back to the fight that I just lost. Um, you know, and if that, obviously that can get frustrating if it happens a lot, mm. but uh, it hasn't been too bad uh, so far. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the the kind of world building so far, but it's pretty early days, like I say. Sure. But, yeah. So I'll be going back to it with inferior sound quality. <laughs> um, yeah, is it something you could solve like with a with a decent pair of headphones? Or? Uh, probably, I do have headphones, but I don't have they they they're like USB for my uh, oh, PC, right, cool. so they won't work with the yeah. um uh, with the That's uh, no PlayStation. Good. That's no good. Well, it's not, it's it'll be fine. It'll be totally fine. I'm just being a snob, but it's like I've been used to really <laughs> good sound for for literally twenty years. Or yeah, something. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's sometimes hard to yeah. pull back. It's, it's just like interesting how much difference like the electronics in a box. Yeah, makes. it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And it's like, it's like high, a, hardware. That kind of hardware is is interesting in that like it's not something like we're so used to te- computer technology where it gets it gets a lot better with time and a lot cheaper with time right i mean we're talking about these graphics cards um but they are streets ahead of what you could get five yeah, years or- ago orders of magnitude above. whereas with hi-fi you could easily have an amplifier you know there's not you know the amplifiers that come out now are not necessarily streets ahead of a 20 year old one not far, at all far from it they might be yeah. based on different tech and they might do some things better and like you said like a lot of them will pack features in 
by the nines these but days. I don't care the features I don't need them yeah, yeah. I, just, I just need something to play the sound good yeah exactly so yeah anyway whereas I'm the other way where it's like I'm at the point where like at least with my AV systems like it's in uh it's like it's I, I like the sound of Sony kit it's like it's not the best sound in the world but it's like it, it does a pretty good job given that my front speakers are also Sony's sure and, yeah. uh, and, and you know it, it, it does alright for what I have uh, but it's it, it, the, like feature wise it came out in that awkward, awkward middle ground where like 4K was only just becoming a thing mm. so it does have 4K pass through but I'm pretty sure it doesn't have HDR pass through right yeah so it's like I wouldn't be able to rig it up to use HDR signals, I'd have to start plugging those directly into the TV. But it's like, but then you're kind of okay because optical is still a thing on most TVs. So I could plug that back into the amp and still be okay. It just pr- wouldn't perhaps be as nice as I've been having it right now. Like things like the uh, the on-screen display and stuff would not be a thing anymore if I'm using mm. HDR sources. And it's like, ah, this hasn't quite gone to plan. HDMI, as it turns out, isn't all that backwards compatible. Or mm. there are problems, and it's like I hear now. It's like if you if you are going down that road, you need to be careful of HDCP as well. Yeah, like there's a there's a new HDCP version for uh, copy protection and all that jazz, and every bit of kit in your chain has to have that's the right, right version of that. Oh, that yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's like the digital world isn't making everything easier. No, uh, like as as it improves on that front, which is a bit of a pain for the enthusiasts like us. Um, oh, by the way, did it. I talk about the that I got the iPhone? Did I t- t- talk about that? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Yeah, I mean, all no, I, it might, be, might have been off air. It might not have been on yeah. on the cast. I mean, all I have to say about it really is, is is I can't believe how much better the ten is given that it's the same OS. And I mean in terms of, like, the software experience. Hmm. It, it, it It's the sort of... The fact that they got rid of the home button forced them to do all this work to have a new gesture-based, you know, system for, like, switching apps and, and opening apps and, and all of this stuff. And it's just shockingly better. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm pretty amazed. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see see how that pans out because I've I I don't like or I've not been a fan of iOS. I've not seen it like since it changed really mm-hmm. since it since it hit this new style. You know, there are certain little problems with it. Although I think like some of the ideas are good in theory, but they've just been done better everywhere else now. Yeah, for like, sure. Um, uh, you know, I like like the swipe up and. The, the swipe down notification thing. Yeah, that was cool. But, you know, Android's got it and it's way more powerful now. Like the swipe up from the bottom to do like the settings and things. It's like, yeah, that's all in Android's top menu. <laughs> it's like it's there and then it's yeah. customizable. And uh, yeah. Well, like, now it's customizable in iOS, actually. But yeah. It's not, so the, the, yeah. Either. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> even little things like the back Chevron design. It's like that touch zone is far too small on an iPhone 5. Mm. Like, yes, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, I'm aware I'm using an old ass phone and it's only running what iOS 10, so it's like a couple of versions out now, but uh, still, not a great you mean, experience. You mean trying it. to go back in an app? Yeah, like, you know, you, yeah. you like you, what would not normally used to be quite a nice big touch zone in the top left and would clearly say back in the older versions of the OS. It's like mm. that little chevron, it's like tapping that doesn't always work. Like, it's just, it seems weirdly non-functional. 
and that's not just true on my phone it seems true of like gnome's ipad as well and things oh, like that it's just like it's just like it's not great in but well, the thing is that, that that thing is bloody miles away from your thumb as well so but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah true one thing that is quite good although it's not per- perfect in ios is that the sdk does mean that it's quite reliable that in most apps you can swipe from the left of the screen over and it does do the same thing. So from anywhere oh, okay. on the left, yeah. you can swipe over and that actually does work across most apps because they all use the same UI kit, you know, um, Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so you swipe from the left to, to yeah. in theory, go back to the panel that was left because left is back for something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that does work quite well. Um, okay. that my my personal pet peeve is apps that like like the BBC new news app that swipe between articles by doing a swipe anywhere in the middle of the bloody oh uh, right canvas. yeah left, I right, hate swipes. that yeah yeah and then um, you do that yeah. like accidentally all the time yeah I'm just trying to scroll down and I'm and I'm like swiping to the next article and I've lost my yeah. place it's so bloody annoying it's not just BBC News but that that's the one that's most there are, there BBC are News app I have all kinds of problems with because all I want to read is the content and it's per- perfectly fine but quite often when it updates an article I it jumps me to the top of the page and I lose my reading yeah. position and then that's, when I'm t- <laughs> that's that's a general problem with modern like not necessarily app design but like lazy loading design in general i know like but, you know uh, things pop in and things update to the wrong place and then you get put put somewhere else or like so <laughs> do you know what do you want more like my my um web pet peeve at the moment like one that like okay this is te- this is terrible implementation this isn't really a pet peeve but it's like it's sure. a funny one because it's directly tied to my samsung phone is that the weather app um on it goes like uh, yeah it has its own little uh, app panel for like the main the main page of details but if you want to dig into it um like it takes you away from that app and takes you to a web page to do that stuff so but, which would be fine like that's what, I'm not too bad at that except the weather.com web page is atrocious on mobile so the first <laughs> So the first thing I get is a giant the weather channel and weather underground privacy and use of data pat GDPR app. bullshit thing, yeah. But it's enormous. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like it's not just like tap this and be fine with it. It's like here's everything you need to know about everything, which is good in a way. I'm fine well, with that. Everyone's freaking paranoid about GDPR, especially in the US. Yeah. I mean Yeah. It's, yeah, so this is just a ridiculously large panel of like, do you want any of this? Do you want all this? And you go, yeah, all right, fine. I'll I'll, I'll submit my preferences. Oh, they've changed it a little bit, but okay. So last time I did this, uh, it then went through a phase of, I'm now going to save your preferences for a really long time. Are you okay with this? <laughs> yeah, and it would just like be spinning a spinning a dial, and then the page would load. And then it would immediately forget that I've done that <laughs> and, put the, and put the giant full screen, full screen permissions thing back there. And it's like, I can't actually look at your website on this phone. And it's the, and it's the Samsung app that's linking me to this website. It's just oh, like, God. oh, for the love of it. That, that's so bad. Okay, it, like, as I'm saying it now, they do seem to have fixed it. <laughs> but but Even that so. was, yeah. it's, been, it's been like that a while. Yeah. Shock, shocking. <laughs> Modern tech. It's awful, man. It's awful. Technology. Is that a podcast? Yeah, that'll do us a podcast. Um, Stay tuned, listeners, to our YouTube channel for uh, some more videos from Zach and Rob. I don't know what's next on the docket. There's another bloody Gungeon video. That's what's next. (laughs) If you want to enter the Gungeon, then... um, 
come along to our YouTube channel and, <laughs> and check out uh, Robin Zach's adventures in the dungeon. We did, we, we did a bit of that, yeah, because we couldn't actually record new material last week because Zach's been Zach, Zach has no car at the moment, so him getting to my place has been. Was it, oh. Yeah, we, we we called it off last time, so he's here because I've driven him this week. So. Oh dear! Oh, that's annoying. Okay, <laughs> well maybe there'll be less content than normal, but we'll, yeah, there'll be salad casts, and we'll be back we'll, in we'll, a couple of weeks we'll, for another we'll, one. We'll figure something out <laughs> for sure. So, thanks for joining us, listeners. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>